Bring it in, Read Option Podcast back, and with a fully loaded crew today. After travels, we all we're all doing our best veto impression. Uh, I literally just got off the plane like an hour ago from Colorado. Uh, got in an Uber, came home, changed clothes, and and hopped on Zoom here to see the boys. Scotty's back after uh, traveling Europe. Veto normally he's in. Cleveland. I mean, I don't, he travels all the time. This is nothing new, but we're all back together. It's been a few weeks since we had the whole crew. There's been some short solo pods. There's been some Jeff and Vito pods, uh, but now the whole gang is back together and uh, and excited for another uh, another recap after a great great week four in the NFL. So yeah. I guess we'll we'll start off here with Scotty. You know, we both came back from trips, but. You were in Italy, which is much cooler. So give us the quick recap. You were there right at the start of uh, the, the the Ryder Cup. Did not go great yeah. for the Americans. Uh, it was basically over after the first day, though Max Homa tried his best to will, will the team back. But uh, how was Italy, man? That was great. Spent a week in Sorrento. with a, It was a large group of us, my wife and I, her cousin, uh, and her cousin's husband, my in-laws, uh, her cousin's parents, and uh and my wife's aunt and her friends so bunch of people um i was the only one that spoke italian so it was uh it was a big trip for me uh to get back to the motherland um and uh and just spend time there we spent a, a lot of time in sorrento um and and the islands around the uh, amalfi coast and then uh, a couple of days in rome uh at the back end which if you haven't had a chance to go go because that city is far and away the favorite my favorite that i've ever traveled to um Ooh. considering moving there uh, uh so i <laughs> wow, love it uh, well that's where my my italian team is, uh lives uh Roma. um anyway it was a great time was there at the I, I was telling the story to you guys at the at the front end of the pot or before we started recording i was literally in the area where uh the the entire u.s team was not 20 minutes before they posted a picture um, in Rome hanging out and I was very upset at the fact that I missed them but it, it was a good time nonetheless uh, we had it's a beautiful country beautiful people uh, and, and I had spent good time with uh, with uh, uh, my wife's family so it was awesome man thanks I was Denver uh, Colorado is a place that I have wanted to go for a long yeah, time I think it's right up your street bud and and that's something I've been told for a very long time that like I would love <laughs> going out there uh, very high in altitude, if you know what I mean. Very high indeed. Um, Tell you but right, a, but a uh, a truly like gourd, like like it. It's hard when you hear something talked up for so many years that like how does it live up to the expectations? It one hundred percent did. Like I I can't even lie. Uh, we went there with uh, my girlfriend's friends uh, who just bought a place out there, um, and uh, I'm sure if people remember. Uh, dating back to last year, I talked about Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and the the, uh, the wedding I went to down there, and that fever dream of a town. So this was the same couple who got married. They just bought a place. Uh, they have a gorgeous view of the mountains from off their back deck in this little town called Erie, Colorado, named after Erie, Pennsylvania. 
Um, but it was unbelievable, man. I, it was, we went to Estes park, which was, uh, kind of the mouth of the Rocky mountain national park. Uh, and it's just like, your brain doesn't even comprehend it. Like I grew up around the Appalachian mountains. I went to school in the middle of Shenandoah Valley and it's still just as beautiful, but like in a different way, like yeah. the, the mountains in Colorado really do feel like, like you're on a different planet. Like every car ride we the went on, is it's it's bonkers. It's it's really crazy. So uh, we did uh, Estes Park, went to Red Rocks. We didn't see a show, unfortunately, but it's open during the day. So you can go around and yeah. hike and there's all these lunatics who are trying to show off how athletic and fit they are by doing workouts up and down the steps. Um, Colorado Music Hall of Fame is there. We walked around, uh, which is really cool. Went to Golden, Colorado after that, which is the home of That's a Coors, cool town. Coors Light. Yes, it's a phenomenal town. That's it a might cool have been, town, yeah. Might have been my favorite place we went the whole trip um, and had two Coors Banquet beers while being able to stare at the Coors factory. And let me tell you something. They talk about how Guinness hits different in, in Dublin and in Ireland. Coors hits different in Colorado. All right. Coors. I mean, they had to be two of the most refreshing beers I've ever had in my life. I love was it. sitting in the middle of Golden, Colorado, in the middle of the mountains, staring at the Coors Brewery. And, and drinking some Coors Banquet beer, uh, which was great. Watching college football on Saturday. I got to say, first time in my life, like paying attention to sports in a different time zone, especially for football. It was trippy, man. Like it was weird. Like Colorado USC is tipping off at 10 a.m. And yeah. Like, well, so like, Scotty. Yeah. Right. Like Scotty and I, we both lived I mean, it and have done both. It is a yeah. world of a difference. And like it, it really changes your like this is not to sound dramatic, but especially for us as diehard football fans, it changes your entire Sunday. Yes. Your entire Sunday oh, has changed. Like yeah. even to this I mean, point, imagine- like, we used to go to church. I grew up Catholic. We used to go to church at yeah. night. Right. Because then you could catch get back catch the games for the like 10 a.m. Game starting <laughs> and yeah and then out here now it's like yeah go go to go you to go on sunday morning. morning yeah it's a whole thing and that's it. just one religion i'm sure everyone all your family customs everything changes i'm telling you from east to west yeah, dude. But like oh, yeah. i i have almost 30 years of an internal clock of like this is when football starts like in the fall so to dude, like it, it, <laughs> Imagine a six-hour time. I'm sitting there watching the Penn State game kick off at yeah, 1.30 right? in the morning. In I did the same. I came home well, from Vito was tell- Yeah, Vito yeah. was telling the story about coming back from the Rugby World Cup and then watching Penn State and then watching Ohio State in back-to-back only to pull an all-nighter to get on the plane to fly back and watch <laughs> NFL football. I mean, nice. there's commitment here from this podcast <laughs> to make sure we get our, our football in. Um, but it was cool watch watch some college football on Saturday. Uh, and then Sunday we went to Boulder. So I was in Dion's backyard, man. Hell yeah. Awesome college town. We went up uh, Flagstaff is like the mountain that you go up there. And what's cool about CU Boulder is all of anything that has like, you know, that Tuscan clay roof stuff, mm-hmm. like the shingles yeah. on the roof. Uh, that is what all of Colorado's buildings have. So when you go up yeah. the mountain and you're staring over the whole valley and you're, go- you're seeing hundred miles away, you can actually be like, oh, so those these right down at the bottom of the, of the mountain, that's CU Boulder. Um, but yeah, uh, Pearl Street, which is their like main drag is really, really cool. Um, so yeah, it was a super fun trip. Uh, woke up this morning, flew back and now we're ready. Uh, I did say I wanted to save this for the pod because, you know, it's Sunday. I'm in a place I've never been before. Right. And I want to make sure I'm fully engulfing all this awesome stuff. So I wasn't able to watch a ton of the games. And of course the fucking Eagles 
decide to play with their food a little bit in the second half after coming back. Hmm. And, uh, and I'm, I, I, what I told my girlfriend, I was like, I'm not going to watch the game, but I am going to check the score updates. And she said, all right, that's fair. And I'm watching and I'm like, all right, you know, AJ Brown touchdown minute 40. That's a lot of time, but should be fine. Don't got to worry about it. And then right as Jahan Dotson scores the touchdown, as time expires, says going to overtime or whatever on ESPN, my phone does. No. Oh, no. Did you grab – you had to – what did you do? What did well, you do? So, so, so here's the thing, right? Do you piss off the girlfriend who it's her birthday trip and we're out nope. here and, you know, can't do that. Uh, and that's hard that's why now. I'm single and you guys she was, yeah. <laughs> she was already giving me, like, not a lot of flack, but she's like, are you no, paying yeah. attention to what we're doing here or are you just focusing on the Eagles game? I'm like, no, I'm paying uh, attention. Like, I'm loving downtown Boulder. This is really fun. Yeah. I was, you know. We should stop then, at a bar for, like, 20 minutes is what you should have said. That's what I wanted to do. I thought that was going to be the plan, but apparently the, the plan was changed without me knowing. Uh, so my phone dies and I'm like, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. I just have to be quiet. I have to sit here. Oh my God. New and, team's in overtime, bro. And, and the Eagles are in overtime and we're walking back to the car and, you know, my girlfriend, lovely woman. I love her to death. Uh, was like, you know, like, you know, uh, you still watching the phone, you're watching the game back there. And I was like, Nope. Not, not paying attention. Nope. Just want to soak in all of this wonderful time that we're all spending together. Uh, yeah, big <laughs> we stop, we stop in at a grocery store on the way, on the way back. And, uh, our friend Monica, who was one of the people hosting us, uh, goes like, so what happened with the Eagles? They ended up winning. And I go, I don't know. My phone died like 30 minutes ago. <laughs> and she was, yeah. they were like, Oh my God, you must be dying. And I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'll just <laughs> right? I'll charge my phone. When we get back. It's fine. Just it's fine. And yeah, and then so then she like they pull up the score and they're like, oh, Commanders won. And I was like, What? And they're like, No, I'm just kidding. The Eagles won. Oh my god, dude, you must have been twisted and turned inside. Oh my. And god. I'm being, I'm like, switch. I'm being, I'm being the good boyfriend. You know, I'm hey, like, I want to be present. That's what we call. Yeah, you earned yeah. a lot. Yeah, I felt, I felt like I needed to. You know, I had to be there. Had to stay committed. Didn't want to bring it up. Cause you know, I'm watching the game, like they're marching down the red zone. I'd let out like, fuck, you know, like when yeah. Jahan Dotson scores and they're like, what? I'm like, nothing. Everything's great. Everything's awesome. Don't worry about it. Uh, but they were, they were, they were cool. So I went back and I was able to watch uh, a good amount of the games from yesterday on the recaps and whatnot. Um, but so you guys definitely watched a little more, uh, at least more overall football than I did this weekend. And I feel like as an overall theme, as we're going to start to transition here into the games, I'm having a hard time time figuring out like who is actually like I think we know there's a few teams that are oh, really there's good. There's two right? teams. <laughs> the Niners, I think we all agree are really good. The Cowboys, I want to say I think are really good, but that we'll Arizona find out next game. Week. <laughs> yeah, like I need to see a little bit more stiffer competition. I need to see what they do matched up against, you know, a team like San Francisco next week will be really interesting to see. Uh, but for right now, I think I know they're at least a playoff team. The Eagles. They're 4-0, but I don't think you look at that 4-0 and think, man, like I feel really confident about this team as a Super Bowl. Like, like this team's definitely going to make a Super Bowl. They're going to make the playoffs, but how where they finish up in that rankings is totally up in the air. Buffalo, I think we all know are good now. Everyone mm-hmm. else, like the gap between the bottom teams and the teams that are like could be a four, three or four seed in the playoffs – seems really, really big right now in the NFL, which I think makes for a lot of drama. But I'm curious, before we get into the games themselves, because I was thinking about this on the plane ride, 
where do you guys like do you see this as a as a good thing like there's just more parity in terms of offense defensive play like or, or is this a teams are underperforming because i feel like if you look at the quality of football that's been played it doesn't seem particularly high and it feels like this has kind of been a weird start to the season so far in that we know the teams that are good or at least are going to be playoff teams and that's like six teams max and then everyone else falls under this umbrella of they could make the playoffs i have no idea yeah man this is i think that this is parts that are good mostly good but there are some drawbacks to this and i'll i'll go into it for a second here because like to me i think that having like a few maybe four, three, four teams, the division winners, let's just say, and then a wild card or so like, that's good. But right now to your point, I think we're going to have good teams that towards the end of the year fall off and teams that have been pretty bad at this point, take off towards the end. But that's what the NFL playoff system kind of allows for, right? Like you get that hot team. That's a seven seed that comes in. And I think it'll be fun at that time. But I think what's going to happen is there's going to be some teams right now that we're like, Oh, they're shoe ins, you know, they're three and one right now and they're going to fall. And like that, that just will naturally happen with more games on to your point, less preseason, less team time to meet than ever in the NFL, like going back even 10 years, it's a drastic difference. So like, I think we're also seeing not the best product in some ways, especially to start the year, you know? Um, And that's that's what I think think is for the NFL. Yeah. That's what I think too. And and to your point, Jeff, like it's, it's not this, this war of attrition that we're seeing, like, we're seeing the Bengals not play well against teams that they should be beating. We're seeing the Chiefs not play well and still win games. Same with the Eagles, not play well. They're still 4-0. Uh, Miami, same way. Uh, I, I j- there's there's a whole lot of that around the league um, in that middle group, uh, from those top two, uh, maybe three, that you can argue is is underperforming to a degree that like we didn't expect. Um at this point in the season, even though we're only four weeks in. Yeah. I, I just like, I'm looking at it. Cause normally you pull up the standings in the NFL. Like you're looking at the teams at the top. Right. But uh, for this exercise, I've looked at the bottom. Right. And if you look at the teams that are at the bottom of each division throughout the entire NFL, how many teams can you truly write off as like, this team is bad to me. It's Chicago. It's yeah. Carolina. Vegas. Vegas, even Vegas is kind of frisky. Um, and then Denver, I would say, like, not trying to pour salt in the wound. I mean, yeah, your boys got a that got a dub, Vito. We love it. But the second half of that game was beautiful. It was, it was, it was great. Um, but those are kind of the only four teams that like I really feel like I can sit here on Monday afternoon at 5 p.m. and say, these teams I know for sure are not good. Right. And and that makes it really interesting because on the other side, you have all these teams at the top, but like even the teams that are at the top, there's like four, maybe five. I feel really, I, I, Buffalo, I feel really good about Baltimore. I want to feel really good about, but the injury bug with them is a huge concern. Kansas city. We're going to give them the benefit of the doubt because of who they've been over the last five years with Patrick Mahomes, but that two out of their four games, they've looked like shit and they should have lost the game against Jacksonville. You could make the argument. So three out of their four games, they haven't looked particularly good. Detroit, they looked great on Thursday night. They you know beat the shit out of the, out of the Packers. But again, 
they haven't looked unbeatable this whole season. The NFC South feels like a, a giant mess of who knows what's going on. And then, yeah, the Niners, we all know are really, really good. Cowboys and Eagles, I think you can poke holes in both of those teams right now, too. So it's really like three teams at the top that you can be like, for sure, these teams are really good. Everything in the middle feels like the commanders to the Eagles or even like, let's say the Eagles are at the top of that category. Who's at the bottom of it? Say, I don't know, the Rams, right? A team like that. If you told me later in the season when the Eagles play the Rams that the Rams beat them, I'm not going to be shocked. So I don't, but I guess that's part A of the question. Part B is, is this due to really good football being played and just parity amongst the league? Or is this more due to kind of shitty football play? And it seems like the playing field's kind of leveled out for this season for whatever reason. And look, we're only four weeks in. This used to be the, as Vito said last week, this used to be the the one quarter mark of the season. It's more or less the same thing. I just feel like anything could happen from here on out. And the only teams that I feel like Jeff's stamp of approval right now that like they're going to be there in the end are San Francisco, Kansas City, and Buffalo. I think every other team right now, I mean, maybe Dallas, I'd probably put Dallas in there ahead of the Eagles just based off the way that Dallas has looked in their games. But I mean, you could put Dallas and Philly in that conversation too, but still that puts you at five teams. And that's, that's pretty alarming only four weeks into the season to to feel like there's only three guarantees and maybe throw a couple other teams in there too. I don't think it's that. Like, I, I think that we also have to remember that like this, this season, for instance, there are what, two teams left undefeated, both your teams. That's it. Yeah. In the NFL. So like we're already down to two, only two undefeated teams after four games that happened quick. That's yeah. quicker than most years. Uh, I don't have a stat or anything, but I can guarantee you. I look at that all the time. I always look at like a chance for someone to go undefeated. Usually it's like week six, week seven, yeah. you start getting there. So like, this is really early for just have two, um, which means every team that, is probably in the dominant position I've lost. Uh, so I guess it speaks to parity, but I, I'm just telling you, I think the product in some cases has been worse specifically defensively. I mean, this is the first time a team's given up 70 and for so long, right? Like, <laughs> true. did you know also? And then, then given up side, 48. <laughs> well, also that during both, all of these games, Pat Sertan's maintained the second best passer rating as a corner and we're still giving up 70 points. Like that's almost more impressive, but uh I like the like, rationalization there. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the point is that that like the sloppy play has been all over the NFL. I, I feel like you've seen it on, on the lines, especially with offense. Like there's been more sacks. It seems like out of nowhere, Cleo Mack had like five yesterday. I mean, it's insane. Six. Yeah. Five. I think you know, six. six. He had six yesterday. He yeah. Ended up with six. For, yeah. Dude, that's awesome. It, it, it's him. interesting. Cause it, it feels like overall the scoring has been down with a few outliers. So it, it seems like it's kind of on both sides of the ball. We're seeing quarterbacks who we're used to seeing look really, really good, not play well. And then we're seeing a a, a rookie, you know, in, in C.J. Stroud, who's out here fucking lighting up the NFL yeah. through four games and looking at the AFC South where the Colts are in first place and the Texans are in second. The whole division is two and two, all four of them. But still, like, it, it's been a very bizarre start, which I think will only lead to more – chaos and fun stuff as the season goes on but through through four weeks in it it does kind of feel like and i remember us doing a podcast last year that was titled like is anyone good like is anyone in the nfl good like is anybody you know and and but that took like 
10 weeks into the season to figure out. And now it feels like we're, we're kind of hitting that point so early that it's kind of like, maybe it's the, pre, I mean, there's theories out there that it's the lack of preseason play, you know, and that the first month of the season is kind of turned into preseason for a lot of teams. But if you're, if you're playing a schedule like the Eagles are playing, where like you may not be up to the level that the Cowboys or the, the Niners are this year, but you can rattle off and you look at the schedule the Eagles have to play, then like you need to get these wins now if you're going to have a shot at the one seed well, by the end of the season. I, I think to to a, a more important degree, it's, it, it's this point in the season where you're still winning games this way, and I'm talking specifically about uh, – the the two that come to mind are the the Eagles and and the Chiefs. You're still winning games this way, uh, as 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 bad as you've looked at, at some cases uh, at some times on both sides of the ball. This is the time where you start to build that like chemistry in, right? Mm-hmm. And it's in your DNA by the time you get to the playoffs, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you take off because you've been there before and you know how to win, and you you got there by winning close games in games that maybe you shouldn't have won. Yeah, and, and in different ways, too. I mean, that was one of the big calling call cards of the Eagles season last year was like every single week they beat teams in different ways, right? And even if it doesn't look as pretty, even if Jalen doesn't look as good as he did last year, putting away those wins early matter. And then you look at a team like the Niners who are coming out firing on all cylinders, you know, putting myself in those shoes. Like if I'm you, Scotty, you're like, well, when, like, when's the rug going to get pulled out when's from underneath yeah. me, right? Because at some point, something's going, some level of adversity is going to happen. That's always a part of the NFL season. At some point, there's going to be adversity thrown the Niners way and how they deal with it is going to be a huge, to your point, calling card as to like how the season develops and being able to build and, and use past experience in playoff games you know, in, in at the end of the season when you're battling for positioning in terms of, you know, standings and playoff stuff. So I it, it does seem like, look, the Chiefs, we know we're going to be there. The Eagles, Cowboys are going to be there at the end because I just think those teams as a whole are most talented. But if you look at those top three at, at the top of the league, like those are the teams we got to look out for. One team that's trying to make their mark and trying to throw themselves into that, you know, conversation is the Detroit Lions. So we're going to start. With Thursday Night Football, Lions, Packers, Lions go into Lambeau. The last two times they went to Lambeau, week 18 last year, now week four this year, the Lions get the job done. Um, the first half was absolute dominance by the by the Lions. Uh, Jared Goff continuing to throw the ball well. David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs is a really, really good backfield. The offensive line for Detroit really letting their presence known. And it feels as though that maybe that that first game when everyone was talking about Jordan Love being, you know, the the, the third iteration for the Packers, right? Favre, Rodgers, now it's going to be Love. Seems like that's probably not going to be the case, at least not this year. Uh, still showing signs of improvement. You know, they they did try to fight into the end. The Lions come away with a with a touchdown there to make it a two score game at the end of the fourth quarter. That kind of put that game away because um, they did they did do a good job of coming back in that game. Green Bay did. Uh, they're a little banged up. It happens across the board, but how far away are the Lions from entering the, the the chat in terms of those teams at the top of the NFL standings, particularly in the NFC side? I don't think they're that far off. I mean, they're. Uh, I'm looking at the numbers in, in advanced metrics on PFF. They're in top the top five of all but two categories on both sides of the ball. Uh, the the only two they're not are running and uh, and. Um, uh, pass rush uh, with their 15 and 16 respectively uh, in, in the league. Those 
when you look at what's happening on the field and not the advanced metrics are not the two weak points of that team. And, and for them to be able to, to continue to win games and continue to look good on offense and continue to look good on defense with those numbers glaring at you. Uh, and again, top half is no slouch. It's going to be uh, a, a good team at the end of the day there again, in the top half of all of those metrics uh, in, in terms of, of pass block, run block, uh, receiving uh, passing efficiency, Expected points per play, uh, per drop back for Jared Goff, uh, all all of that. And on defense, same thing. Tackling, they're one of the top teams in in, in tackling and, and coverage. Uh, it's it's all there for them. I don't think they're that far off, really. Uh, and I and I think, especially if they can get in, as we expected when we did the the previews, if they can win the games that they're supposed to win in that division, uh, they're going to be in really good shape because I think they can play with anybody. Yeah, I think when they get to their bye week is in week nine. To your point, Jeff, well, no, that's to me, they got another five weeks, um, four weeks of games. Uh, they got the Panthers, the Bucks, the Ravens is probably the big test, and then the Raiders. So them against the Ravens, <laughs> I think, is going to be the biggest test uh, to see who, if they're for real or not and and to see how they compete in that game, uh, then go to their bye. So um, I don't know. I think they're going to get there, though. I think they lose again. They can win even if they lose the Ravens game. I mean, if they go three and one over that stretch, we're going to say they're in that top tier. I I feel. Yeah, I think I agree with Scotty hundred percent. I think they're right there. Um, they're just this year's like we haven't seen it before, team. Right? Like we haven't yeah. seen this this iteration of the Lions prove it on a big stage. Yes, they go in and beat Kansas City week one. Um, I did get to thinking too. If we're thinking like college football playoff style, like where you rank wins, like what's the best win of the season? Mm-hmm. Is that win opening night? Is that the best win of the season so far? Oh, it would be rated. Yeah. I mean, it like college. Yes. I would rate like maybe even the bills win this week of just totally yeah. demolishing. It. Yeah. It was also very good. Um, but that was probably the biggest upset. If you're t- like, you know, if you thought about it in college rankings, yeah, like, like the how Lions many- upsetting on opening night, the Chiefs, like, yeah, that might be the biggest. Like whatever, thing. whose line is it anyway? Fake points that you get yeah. for winning a big game <laughs> that we do in college football, like Texas beating Alabama is the best win of the college football season so far. It's like, I, I think opening night, like I do still think that's the best win because as at least one person on this podcast pointed out last week, we should pump the brakes on the Miami Dolphins. We'll get there shortly. Um but I would I would agree. I think the Buffalo win this weekend just dismantling Miami uh, is a really really valuable win as well. So I'd put those two up next to each other. Um, I I like this Detroit team um, uh, top to bottom. I mean, if you look at their top four draft picks, they've all become impact players for them. Jameer Gibbs, obviously, like he's not having crazy numbers or anything, but he is elusive and he his his some of his advanced numbers in terms of breaking tackles avoiding contact yards gained after contact a lot of that stuff uh jameer gibbs is, is doing very very well as a rookie jack campbell's brought a whole another level of juice into that defense uh they're starting to bring in sam laporta which like when they traded tj hawkinson last year that was a bit of a head scratcher like we know tj was gonna need to get paid so it was a concern you're like hey this is one of the best weapons you have on this team why are you trading him, especially when Detroit was still alive for a playoff spot at that point? Obviously, we saw TJ wanted to get paid. He held out a camp with Minnesota to get paid. So from a roster construction standpoint, it kind of makes sense to trade a guy, get some assets back, but you have to hit on the next guy that you bring in to play tight end. They spend a high second round pick 
on Sam Laporta. He's been awesome. And I think out of all the rookie tight ends, him and, and uh, Dalton Kincaid have both been really good. But Laporta's fine in the end zone. Really good red zone threat. And then Brian Branch, who's just like a plug-and-play star in the second-round pick. I mean, they're getting yeah. impact minutes out of all four of their top four draft picks to add to a really, really good team. They just reset the uh, the suspension for Jameson Williams, so he's coming back next week. Not sure how many snaps he's going to play, but they're getting him back two weeks earlier than they thought they would get. There's every reason in the world to believe that Detroit can absolutely be one of those top three seeds in the NFC, and they're going to push for it. Uh, I agree, like Carolina should be win. Tampa Bay, that's a tough defense, but Detroit will be favored. Baltimore, that's going to be a tough game too. I agree. But if they go three and one over their next four before the bye, and they're sitting there at six and two on top of the uh, NFC North, I, I think that that three spot, because you, you would think Dallas and or Phillies and as well as San Francisco will be the top two seeds. Detroit's right there for the three seed and could maybe even potentially sneak into the, you know, a higher seed uh, if the NFC East kind of cannibalizes itself. So um, the Packers, like this, this is kind of what we felt like they were going to be coming into the season, right? There's going to be highlights and lowlights of Jordan Love. They're two and two. I feel like that eight and nine, nine and eight record is, is going to probably be a good spot for them to settle. The defense is still pretty good, but I'll tell you what, Detroit did a really, really good job in the first half of moving the ball against this, this uh, Packers defense. And, uh, the Packers don't have the easiest schedule coming down the line either. So, um, no. yeah, and they, so, can't, they can't do anything if Aaron Jones isn't is either not on the field or is not involved when he yes. is on the field. Yeah, they have. That's just the the motor. Jordan Love needs it. He needs a consistent running running attack to kind of boost him up there. Uh, all right, let's move to the Sunday games. We had our London morning game. The yeah. most important question of this uh, game is, did you guys watch the Toy Story broadcast? Yes. Did you, <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys were able to watch. Um, I was, yes. Not okay. the whole game, but I tuned in for about a half. And okay. I was able to I watch had, in the Toy yeah. I had my main TV on the regular broadcast, and then the Toy Story one, just like, it was delayed anyway, so to slow down the regular broadcast, but it was like a minute delayed maybe or something. It was incredible. The movement pickup, the AI, like they've got a future in this for sure. And, yeah. and like, I love Jeff, uh, shout out to Jeff Martz. He texted our group and was just like, dude, my son's not going to watch football with me now. The regular <laughs> yeah. It's like, so this true. is the only way he was going to yeah. want to watch football forever. Oh my God. I, I can't wait. I wish the only thing is, I think the announcers were still, even though they were trying to introduce football, all of a sudden they just bust out like, oh, there's a pick six by this guy because of this coverage. And it was just like, all right, pump the brakes, guys. You know, yeah, like Booger, Booger had a rough day um, yeah. in the booth. I believe he made a reference to ayahuasca at one point, too. I thought I saw that circling uh, Twitter. Class. Um, that. Yeah, this, not when was, you've got a kid's broadcast going. <laughs> there's there's a few kinks they got to work out, but I, I thought it was really cool, man. I, I, I have to yeah. admit, like I was sitting there Dude. watching it and and you said the gold line there, Vito. You're like you know, about what our buddy Jeff Martz said, how his kid, you know, is only going to want to watch football like that moving forward, but his kid's going to want to watch football. And that's the ultimate goal here, right? Is yeah. it's like, it's like, if you have a son, he's like, well, where's the Toy Story game again? I want the Toy Story game again. And you're going to be like, oh, well, there's no Toy Story game, buddy, but we can watch, you know, we can watch this instead. And hopefully that translates. I hope they do it again later on in the year. I don't know if they are going to or not, but I hope they do. Well, they, they have another London game this weekend. They got a couple over there, so we'll see. Because they said it wasn't confirmed last week. They said at the wrap-up, like, we haven't gone in. But it seems like if the numbers are good, they will. And, by the way, the NFL is bowing down to everything that's going on. And 
fucking New York. Uh, yeah, they are going to do whatever they can for that money. So I would be shocked if I, we don't see this broadcast for at least one or two other games over there in Europe. Yeah, I hope so. It's, yeah, I only saw the the you know replays on, on Twitter and and stuff like that. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but it looked really really cool. I, I it looked awesome that they could render it that that quickly. Um, the and that actually were just too. so funny yeah. too. Like, oh, because um, it reminded me of like uh, NBA Jam, but like for football, mm. you know, yeah. like is with the big head, and then like if you th- whenever Trevor the vapor trails, the- yeah, the vapor <laughs> trails, exactly. Like I, I thought the whole thing was was really really fun to watch, man. And yeah, they, they had the uh, every time they kicked the field goal, the the goalposts were made out of like the letter blocks. So anytime yeah. they, a field goal went through, all the blocks fell down which is really cool. And then wow. instead of having, they didn't have any referees on the field. So they had the claw from the first toy story was what moved <laughs> the ball and set the ball before they hiked it every oh, time. Scotty, That's the best great. part was the slinky dog for the first down. Yes. Time. That Slink, was slinky was the the first down yeah, and there was like a penalty and he'd back up like his butt would just move back like five yards. It was so <laughs> funny, man. Yeah. That's phenomenal. And, That's and great stuff to, st- to steal a line from uh, the great Tom Gimple, my father, uh, he, he, when he took us to see toy story, when we were kids, well, I guess I was, that was the year I was born, but took my sister to see toy story in theaters. He sat there cause that was the first like Pixar, you know, digital. Um, and he was just like, you know, as incredible as this looks now, this is going to look like shit, like 20 years from now. And like, when you go back in toy story, it kind of does sometimes, right. Especially oh, yeah. compared to the modern Disney movies. But I'll tell you what, if this is something that sticks, Five, ten years down the line, it's going to look somehow even cooler than it did now. So, oh yeah, uh, the NFL is is getting their their claws deep into the youth right now, and uh, and I, I mean, look, I think parents do a pretty good job if you're a football fan, making sure your kid grows up a football fan. But uh, yeah, it's going to be fun moving forward. Uh, the actual game itself, this was the get right game we kind of expected from uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, this is as a whole, I didn't think they looked great, but again, I do think that Falcons defense is solid. On the other side, Desmond Ritter starting to slip a little bit. Um, you know, the first couple of weeks they start off two and zero. He's doing a good job not turning the ball over, getting the ball to Bijan and Tyler Algier, and you know Kyle Pitts when he can because it always seems like he's forgotten. Um, but they need to upgrade a quarterback bad man. And to think, you know, if they could have put together a trade package for Lamar Jackson, um, you know, which they were right there at one point, if there was something they could have done, like imagining all of these weapons and this, this team but, with a, yeah. with a guy like Lamar Jackson, right. Or even just a, a, a Kirk cousins, even right. I yeah. feel like we're looking at such a significantly better team. I love Desmond Ritter as a college quarterback. He's struggling. Um, it, it seems like the, the, the train's going downhill right now when it should be going uphill. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening, but this was a this is a little bit eye opening if you're a Falcons fan. I think about what the future of Desmond Ritter might Ritter might hold. Yeah, and, and you can tell by watching this game. So the Jags got like a defensive touchdown, like really their defense won in this game. The offense d- did look a lot better though. So so I mean they were struggling. I guess the last three weeks now offensively, and they didn't look amazing either. But they did enough. Um, and they they it was always kind of in hand. This game was never close. Um, and it, well, oh, one, one little tidbit, you guys will love this at, at morning of, I always go and look at prop bets or anything to throw on 
Drake London scoring a touchdown in London. No brainer. Threw money on yeah. that. That happened. Why, why did we not? I, Chris, I should have seen Chris that Long had a Chris Long had a great tweet. When was the last time, or if it had ever happened, that a player with the last name that was the same as the town that he was the city that he was in, like scored a, a touchdown or a score, you know? Like yeah. which Maybe I guess someone I, named Cleveland. That's about like to your point, you yeah, that last Cleveland. year, but that's about it. That's the only one I've really heard Dallas, of. Dallas, the DJ Dallas score Dallas. there. Oh, DJ Dallas scoring in Dallas. That's a good Dallas one. Dallas Goddard scored a touchdown in Dallas. He has, but yeah, I guess that counts. If we're just saying name, yeah, Dallas Goddard has probably scored in Dallas at some point in his career. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was a fun question because yeah. I thought about so it. So those are we're betting those 100 percent on this pod. We we fully back those. Yes, yes. <laughs> if that ever comes up, 100 percent It's like when someone has a baby, it's like they're always gonna score a touchdown or, or an NBA, they're gonna go off. Mm-hmm. Like just always bet the touchdown prop if someone has a baby. If your last name is the same as the city that you're playing in. We're putting we're putting money on you. We're putting money on you. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like uh, Calvin Ridley, there's some rumblings where you know Doug Peterson's going up to Calvin Ridley and saying like, "Hey, man, just be you. You know, just go out there and just just be the guy that you always have been." You know, which isn't a great thing to hear uh, your coach say. Like, if you're like, "Hey, man, this guy's like, it's it's a simple thing," but you're like, it kind of gives bad vibes if you're at that point in week four where you have to go up to like your you know supposed star wide receiver and be like, "Hey, man, just be you. Just go out there," and it kind of gives off some some nerves a little bit. You know, maybe they're not fully buying in or not fully uh, there with the with the offense. But it did look better. Etn's been a very surprising uh, running in terms of his running attack. We always knew what he can do with the ball in his hand, um, but he's been very effective running between the yeah. tackles. Uh, the rookie out of Auburn, Tank Bigsby as well. Uh, but as a whole, like Trevor Lawrence just needs a game, like needed a game like this. Like, a, hey, we're good. Like, we don't have mm-hmm. to, you know, because they got embarrassed by Houston last week. That's like, this is not a team that you, you lose to a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback and a, and a depleted roster. Like Jacksonville should not be losing. Definitely not that poorly, despite the fact that they're even, you know, division rivals. So it was good to see no, for Jacksonville. I- <laughs> I, I think he's still due for another game. I, you know, we need the Trevor Lawrence 385 yard four touchdown game um, for, for that to be solidified with me. That defense looked great though uh, on Jacksonville. The only downside I'd, I'd say for the defense was we, we've been talking probably the first three weeks about how, how much better Trayvon Walker is looking and, and he was just non-existent. I mean, he had one sack, two tackles in this game. Uh, against what I think is an average to to slightly above average offensive line, he should be in on the on the pass rush a little bit more. So, um, I'm I'm assuming that was probably just a one off for him. I think he continues to trend up, but he's been one of the the key components of that defense, uh, especially that pass rush for uh, for this season. Yeah, uh, so. having that defensive line, and we we've, we've known Josh Allen's good for a long time. Um, yeah. But yeah, to see Trayvon Walker coming coming across is 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 good to see. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the Falcons, Jags, good win for them, but they need to get across the Falcons. It just sucks. I mean, I feel like I, every Sunday I'm seeing clips on Twitter about how wide open Kyle Pitts gets and his ability, and and yet he just has a quarterback that can't get him the ball. So I know the offensive line's not great, and and obviously Jacksonville's a really good defensive line, but yeah, not not what you're hoping for. Uh, all right, let's go to the one o'clock East Coast time games. We have the Broncos and the Bears. We're going to start here because Vito, you needed a win, bud. You needed a win. It looked really yeah. bad down 21 to seven at halftime. 
uh, down 28 to seven in the third quarter. And Russell Wilson and your Broncos found a way to fight back and get a win uh, against the Bears. Can I just say first, I believed I didn't give up on this game. I f- had a feeling we could come back. It's one of those things where your team's like, all right, this many in score, and we get to stop them this many times as possible. Yeah. Four, f- three scores and, and, you know, a little bit there. And then, and then we get the field goal too. It was, it was incredible, dude. Um, great turnaround from the entire team. Uh, but in the first half or so, the first three quarters, we made Justin Fields look like Peyton Manning. He had two incompletions at one point. It was like 24 of 26 at one point, though. And then he and hit one of his incompletions Four was touchdown. a drop. And the other one was a Hail Mary attempt at the half. Like he yeah. was incredible against us. So, like, I got to give credit to the guys. Everyone's been knocking him all from the pocket, all on time. He looked great given. Our, our defense did give up 70 points last week. So I get it. We're not the, we're not the barometer. You're not using our defense to to test how good your offense is by any means, but it's still credit to our credits to these are NFL guys playing. And uh, on our offensive side, we finally put it together late in the second half. Everyone was running. Like we were getting open on our routes. Russ was just dropping back, making decisions, scrambling for third downs and just sliding down. Like he was doing a good job of movement um, this finally looked a little more like the team that I was hoping to see. Fuck it, man. It's just a win. Like I, I, you know, if it, again, if it took until October to get a win, I would be pretty, uh, down the dumps. So glad, glad for us, but you know, I mean, technically that's, yesterday that's was October 1st. So you did go into October without a win, but you started the month of October the right way. Okay. I, 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 splitting I hairs. I don't weekends <laughs> don't exist. The weekdays have days. Cause I have work. And then weekends go into nothing. And then yeah. the, Week starts. Dates don't exist on weekends. No, that no, was end not, of September. Not even a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. It, it, you said, and you. What did you do to start off October? You got a dub. Dub city. Dub huge dub. We love that. We love that. Um. Yeah. Great. I mean, great comeback. Uh. Justin Fields' best game throwing the ball in his career. First three hundred yard passing game for him. It's a shame. I mean, look, he did have, had the big fumble at the end of the first or at the end of the uh, second half, which. Yeah. Obviously, like that, you can't do that in those spots. But as a whole, it, it was, you know, he's he had those games, those monster fantasy games, which I think people conflated with like really, really good like quarterback play and really, really good performances. There hasn't been a ton of really, really brilliant quarterback performances in Justin Fields' career yet. This was the first time where it's like, okay, this looked like Justin Fields at Ohio State. And if you're Chicago, I think you're already thinking Caleb Williams. I mean, right now, if the season ended today, you'd have the first and second overall pick because they get Carolina's pick this year too. So either way, like you're probably thinking Caleb Williams moving forward, but also the better Justin Fields plays, the more assets and stuff you can get back, you know, in a trade for him, right? Because yeah. I guarantee you, like if you're the New York Jets, would you take Justin Fields right now? Damn sure would because even if, he, if he's not going to know your system, he can still scramble around. And with that yeah. defense, you're going to give yourself a shot. If you're the Patriots, would you take Justin Fields right now? In a heartbeat. You do that in a heartbeat. So um, there's plenty of reasons to, you know, keep rooting on the Bears. Uh, but I think if, if you're a Chicago fan, you're, you're, you're thinking towards the draft. For the Broncos, I, you know, I hope this is the turnaround for y'all. Like, I really do. Like, I hope this is this is the one where it's like, all right, like we're getting our shit together. We're ready to rock and roll. I don't think – that's going to continue to happen. I mean, the defense, look, played a lot better in the second half, but 28 points to a bad Chicago Bears offense. Um, 
does not make you feel great. And honestly, it, it reminds me of those like Raiders teams that had Namdi Asamoah, where it's just like, we're just not ever going to throw to Pat Sertan's side of the field. And we're going to be able to move the ball however we want. And I don't know if, if Justin Fields is lighting you up for 300 plus yards, you don't feel great about the defense, but no matter what, you don't apologize for the win. You take the win. Russ looked way better in that second half. You, he played with a certain freedom. When you're down 28 to 7, you just loosen up and you say, fuck it. We're going to throw the ball. We're going to make something happen. And if we can do that enough times, then, you know, maybe we can steal this game. That's exactly what happened. So, um, reason for optimism. First win of the Sean Payton career. It's, it's, it's good vibes moving forward. Yeah. Did you guys hear about the armband controversy with Russell? Oh, Russ not wanting to wear it. Yeah, and uh, just for the record, this is now our fourth straight game where he's gotten delay of game calls because Sean Payton gets the call in and he takes so long to, like, whatever, re- regurgitate it. They can't get set up in time. We burn timeouts. We've gotten delay of games. It's a thing. Put the fucking wristband on, dude. <laughs> yeah, just just do it. Just at this point, just do it. Uh, so Scott- the calls come in faster. That's the point. But yeah, 100%. Uh, Scotty, any other thoughts on Broncos Bears? No, I Vito, you had no godly reason to win this game. Um, so I like the all the numbers: four hundred and seventy-one total yards for the Bears, uh, twenty-six first downs to your seventeen, thirty-three, almost thirty-four minutes of possession time, uh, in the game. Justin Fields throws for over three hundred yards and four touchdowns. Khalil Herbert runs for over a hundred yards. DJ Moore finally gets involved and is over a hundred yards, and still. You found a way. So I mean, hey, like whatever it was, it worked. But I, 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 I'm with you, Jeff. I wouldn't want to be in the situation of like I don't want Russell Wilson to play this way because he has to, um, you know, because we're down three touchdowns going into the, the fourth quarter. Um, but you know, if you can piece that together and and put together that formula through four quarters of the game and and put those 28 points, 35 points up on the board and let your defense be as good as the talent that's out there, I think that that you'll be okay um, if you're the Broncos. And, but And look, I mean, if there's a defense out there, because the Miami numbers skew everything, there's a defense out there that is as bad as like what, how the Broncos have played through four weeks. It's the Bears. The Bears have given up 25 points or more for, I think it's like, for I, they've lost 14 straight. All right, so all of a sudden we're calling up those Tampa. What is it like the, the ninety three Tampa Bay Bucks or whatever it is that oh, it lost twenty two eighties? Yeah, early eighties. Um, the yeah. the creamsicle Bucks. Yeah, the loss. I oh. believe the record's twenty two. It's twenty two or twenty three. Um, yeah, um, but so all of a sudden we got to start calling up some people, like whatever the the opposite of the ninety two Dolphins popping champagne, like. Anyone who played on those Bucks teams are like rooting against whoever the Bears are playing every single week because they don't want to hold that record anymore. That's, that's our record, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they they want to they want to get that gone as as quickly as possible. So that, look, this Bears defense hasn't been good. They've given up twenty five straight points in over ten games. I think it is for the last fourteen games. Uh, and the Broncos, like, if, if anything was going to help snap Russell w- uh, Wilson into this, this out Ooh, of his thing, slip. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> 26 games by Tampa. 26. Okay. 70s. So by week 12, if the Bears still haven't won a game, we could have a chance at them tying the record for the the, the, the most losses in a row. Um, I think it's possible. Yeah. I think it's possible. possible. There's one other thing that stuck out to me too in this game. Uh, What was that that call 
late in the game the the bears went forward on fourth down Dude. when they were in field goal range and, it was and nutty. they're only get a 20 it. yard line and they decided it was to a go ahead half. it was a tie was, game at that point right yeah yeah it was tie game and so like it was 28 28 if they kick this we got to drive down which our offense was with lighting a, it up a minute and 40 point. or something yeah. yeah and we would have had to drive down and get this field goal which we got and it would have been tied to force yeah. ot they decided to go for the yard and a half um in order to ice the game. So I get it. I honestly, the running play out of shotgun too. Like that's yeah, situation. That the... you hand it off to your running and back. And the call, leave they burned a timeout. Yeah. Leave it in your best player's hands. Leave it in Justin Fields hands. Have him roll out, give him one throw or just or dive. tush push baby. I mean, look, yeah. I know every, every football team in America tried to do the push, the tush push this weekend and none of them worked. It took Penn state. How many oh. tries to get in <laughs> four consecutive in a row to get that touchdown against Iowa. So. Um, led to cover, so we're do you know the amount of times I heard brotherly shove this weekend on broadcast? It's annoying, yeah. They're they're trying to push that. Uh, what's what's the there was one that was like the cheek, something with cheeks. I don't the cheek sneak, that's what it was. The cheeks, we already know, we already know. I mean, God willing, that Jalen has a bunch of continued success in Philly, but if they ever make a statue, it's him and his line doing this, and he's lined up. This has got to be the the yeah the. If they had found this, if they had his won play. the Super Bowl last year, yeah, that yep. statue is going up because then you could get Kelsey and Lane Johnson in on yep. the on the statue. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But yeah, I mean, look, you, you got. I hate that that call to go for it. That's a call if you're up points, if you're up a touchdown, and you want to yeah. go to ice the game, right? Give yourself a chance to really put the game out of reach. Doing it there in a tie game, yeah. Matt Eberflus not doing a great job so far as the uh, as the head coach. I mean, again, fourteen consecutive losses alone. But the Broncos got something right on track, right? So hopefully they find something, they build on that that second half against the Bears, and they keep it moving forward. Um, all right. Speaking of the Eagles and the Tush Push, Eagles thirty four, Commanders thirty one in overtime. Um. I mean, look, I'm I'm removed. I, I you know again, I didn't get to watch every single snap, but I went through and watched as many as I could today on the flight and uh, and before the flight. I, there's a lot of things to feel good about, right? Four and zero for starters, great. Like if you told me four and zero, and this is how it's happened, I bet cool. I'll take that all day. You know, a win's a win. They need to stack as many of them as they can, uh, you know, to to try to get themselves the best seating they can in the postseason. There's still a lot not to like. Um, Sam Howell showed some moxie in this game, but I thought that uh, uh, Eric Bieniemy's game plan for this commander's offense was really smart because if you look at the pressures, like Josh Sweat had nine pressures in this game. You know, Jalen Carter, another four pressures. Fletcher Cox, another five pressures. Like these guys were finding ways to get after the quarterback, but it didn't matter because Sam Howell got the ball out of his hands so quick that – it basically neutralized the pass rush. And for as good as the front four is and the rotation that they have in there uh, and the front seven in terms of run defense has been this year, the back seven, the linebackers, secondary and and, and corners. I mean, there's a lot to be concerned with this Eagles team. Like you, you score a touchdown with a minute 40. I'm sure we can all go in and share our thoughts about like, oh, do you hold on to the ball and kick the field goal there and just work the first down, work the clock, kick the field goal, go out of there. Yeah, if you're going up against Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or, you know, one of these really, really elite quarterbacks, you don't want to give the offense the, the you know, a chance to touch the ball. You don't want those guys on the field. But you're going up against Sam Howell, a really bad offensive line, admittedly good skill position guys, 
but an offense that the Eagles shouldn't struggle to stop with a touchdown lead. And, and football, at the end of the day, is a complimentary sport, right? Should the offense have, you know, put that defense in this situation? No, not necessarily. Should the defense have done a better job of stopping that offense for the uh, commanders in the last drive? Yes, they should have. So you, we can play that cat and mouse game all day. Ultimately, the defense didn't get the, the stop that they needed to. And I know there was some questionable officiating stuff in this game on both sides. Both teams got screwed with some bad calls or some really, really close calls. Um, but this is this is a win. It's good. My my biggest concern with this Eagles team right now is the guy they just paid $250 million to, and that's Jalen Hurts. Um, this was the best passing game, right, that we saw out of Jalen. Uh, the raw numbers make it seem like, what, 300 yards, uh, A.J. Brown, 175 yards and two touchdowns. Like, what are we worried about here? Jalen Hurts right now on his success percentage, which essentially is like what percent, like how successful he is every time the ball touches his hands, right? He's in sixth from last in the NFL. All right, he's in the bottom six in the NFL in success and, and win rate, which is not a good thing if you're an Eagles fan. He is not willing to be physical this year as a runner, which is something he did a lot his first two years. But now that he's worth $250 million, he's not running with the same physical edge. He did with that huge third down pickup, the 23-yard run, which was an awesome play. That looked like the Jalen we saw last year. He's so quick to get down. He's so he's He's either sitting in the pocket like a sitting duck, doing nothing but standing, not moving around, or he takes off at the first sight of any sort of pressure. Oh, gosh, what a luxury to be able to sit in the pocket for 10 years waiting to throw I, the ball. I mean, look, that's Jeez. I understand where you're coming from, Scotty, <laughs> but but Scotty, if we're looking at this from the perspective of the Eagles, like you can sit in the pocket and throw the ball to Devontae Smith and, and you know, A.J. Brown and still be good. There's no question about it. But what took this Eagles team from being a solid team with a decent pocket passer you know, to a team that was like in the Super Bowl last year, right? It was Jalen's ability to do both. And that's not to say that in close games, he won't break out of it and, and pull that side of him back. But right now, his success rate is as low as Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. And that's every time he touches the ball in a drop back situation. And if you're a fan of the Eagles, like it's it's the rest of the team still looks good. The defense has holes. But Jalen is, is a different version of the Jalen we've seen from last year. And that's not to say he won't get back to it. It's not to say he won't grow. There's still the new coordinators, all that stuff. I get it. But it is at least worth noting that it does seem to be a different version of Jalen Hurts so far in 2023 than we saw the year that they made it to the Super Bowl. Do you think that that, that any, anything to do with that is the fact that they are not running as much screen action or play action uh, for him to be able to either get the ball out quick to a running back or a receiver and let them go in the screen game case or in the play action case, uh, not being able to roll out and, and make plays with his legs if he has to or make throws on the run. It, it does feel like the overall scheme is different this year with Brian Johnson, right? Where they were running a lot of those zone read options that had the third option of Jalen being able to keep the ball and, and either keep it himself or throw the ball downfield. Um, they're still, and they did a bad job the first two weeks, the last two weeks. It's these, these quick slants, these seven, eight yard quick slants to AJ Brown. Um, I thought Brian Johnson actually had his best day play calling yesterday, um, based off of just the six, the overall success rate of the offense. Um, it's the most points they've scored all season, right? So ultimately the offense played a better game top to bottom than they did, uh, any other game so far this season. 
the 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 play action stuff with them they know they don't run traditional play action they run those zone read stuff right so that part of it's been there it's just looked a bit a little bit different they threw the lowest number of running back screens of any team in the NFL last year i think they only did it twice um, but they used to run a lot of those tight end bubble screens to Dallas Goddard, right? Where they'd get him in space behind Devontae and AJ Brown. Uh, they used to run a lot more bubble screens. To me, like Jalen in the pocket last year was really good, but a huge difference that I've noticed at least in watching the games is Jalen's comfortability in the pocket. He doesn't look comfortable. Like there's been very few offensive series this year where I feel like Jalen feels comfortable in what he's doing. And and, and that's not to say that like Again, he's not going to feel more comfortable as the season goes on with the new coordinator, new play calling, but he's definitely a little more like happy feet where he's either going to sit in the pocket. He's not feeling the pressure the same way. He's taken more sacks through the first four games this year significantly than through the first four games last year. Jalen doesn't feel as fluid in the pocket. He doesn't feel as comfortable. And because of that, he's been a lot more quick to drop down, slide or go bombs away. Um, or make bad decisions where he's turning the ball over more so far this year than he did last year. No interceptions is a good thing yesterday, but overall it just doesn't feel like the same guy that we watched last season. No. And and to your point, like he's 26th in PFF and rushing he's 12th in passing. I think yesterday wasn't like yesterday. He looked pretty like the most comfortable he's looked. It seems like all year, some of the runs to your point, like he could have ran out of bounds on this one play to the right. It was going to be sure the first down, no matter what. And he just like slid and lost like another two or three yards. And like last year, Jalen just runs out of bounds, full speed, little things like that that I'm noticing where like, I don't know, but to your point, is this disparity in running? Like, obviously a lot of it though has to do with every one yard rush of his seems to be a first down. So like, you know, does that skew this probably? Uh, (laughs) But I, I do think that for him and his success this year, like, like he said, he's keeping the main thing, the main thing they're winning. To your point, like, yeah, could he be doing better? Yeah, I think, to your point, we're not going to see – like, he's entered into the point and the respect in the NFL where it's like, yeah, man, your team's good. Don't don't put yourself in a bad situation until the playoffs, basically. Like, what we're seeing with Lamar. Like, and Lamar still runs a decent amount, but that's more of his game. But I could see that, like, like when Russ stopped running as much, right, and more scramble, and, like, that's where Jalen's going. But when playoff comes for the next – four years he's going to be a weapon absolutely and and i'll say this too like i'm okay with jalen sliding on third and 12 there's nothing there he's going to end up throwing the ball away slide right i'll I'll take that two yard loss and the sack the meaningless sack that's in the books because you slid behind the line like i'm okay with with that because i don't want him hurt i don't want him taking unnecessary hits when he doesn't you know when he doesn't need to but I need to see him be able to flip the switch, which he did in a really big moment in the fourth quarter of that game, picking up the first down on that 23 yard scramble, which was an incredible play. But I think it's going to take six or seven games and, and potentially even longer for him to start to feel more comfortable as just not a pure pocket passer, but like as someone who's just delivering from the pocket, because remember that was the thing last year going into the season that we were like, can Jalen hurts do this? And Shane Steichen had so much window dressing and all this stuff around it to make it seem like he's not that he wasn't really good out of the pot out of the pocket last year. But like, I think the system and the player and talent infusion that the Eagles had last year, in addition to being as healthy as they were, helped elevate a lot of that. 
right? I think it helped make him a lot, look a lot better in the pocket than he was. If we're asking him to, to take away a, something that's been a part of his game his entire life and tone it down to just important moments, it's going to affect him. But as you said, Vito, keep the main thing the main thing. And and the Eagles are finding ways to win, win to get wins, albeit it's been, you know, less than pretty through four weeks. And I, I think it's it's encouraging that they're finding ways to win games in different ways. But like I need to see a complete game out of this team in order for me to really consider them on that top tier as a team like San Francisco. Um, or even how Dallas has looked in their three wins, right? The Eagles haven't looked like that. You could say the Tampa Bay game, like they definitely dominated that game, but that was all on the ground. Like Jalen didn't have to do much more than, you know, work a couple play action shots. And, you know, he did have that incredible throw to Zacchaeus, but, you know, that game was back-to-back games with 200 yards on the ground. This game, they weren't able to move the football. Jurgens goes out early with an injury and they decide, all right, this is on Jalen's shoulders. And the defense didn't help him out, and they found a way to get it done. So, I mean, they did in overtime. They did in overtime. Um, yeah. yeah, but this this game got a little I'm too not... close to tie alert uh, for for my liking there, Vito. And, and at, at the end of the day, too, Washington has played well against you at in Philadelphia. That's true. Like, that's just, you know, maybe it just boils down to that, as, as simple and stupid as that sounds. Yeah. I And sh- also – I, there's some people who I, I still, for whatever reason, aren't excited about Sam Howell are still trying to, I, I like Sam Howell, man. It's like Sam yeah. Howell. It was like, great game management at the like end. As, knowing that they were getting the ball back in that last drive, I, I got nervous going up against Sam Howell. And he still makes some throws, man. Like he hit Logan Thomas on that same little seam route and double coverage uh, in, in the first quarter. And I think it was even on their opening drive. And I, it's just, that's an NFL throw, dude. And like, I mean, even he has the, the onions, power to do it. The, the onions to throw to Jahan Dotson in that spot. I mean, he yeah. had to, cause there was five seconds left on the clock, but like that was an NFL throw. Well, and as, as like, Kirk, as Kirk cousins has taught us when your season's on the line or a game's on the line, you can throw short to the sticks. Like you, you can do that sometimes. And the fact that Sam mm-hmm. Howe doesn't, Says a lot about the kid. I I, I think he's good, man. I think he's gonna and, and the enemy's doing a good job. Um, if they can get the offensive line figured out, I the commanders I definitely see as a as a wild card team as of right now. I, I, they've been impressive in all four of their games. Uh, albeit they've all been close. Um, they they've they've figured out ways to win games. And and you could make the argument the commanders outplayed the Eagles in this game, and, and we know the commanders ended their perfect season last year. So yeah, you're right, Scott. The commanders play well there. Uh, all right, let's keep rolling here. Bills 48, Dolphins 20. Vito, you were on the pod with me last week. What did I say about the Miami Dolphins? I mean, you were fading them for sure. You said, hold, mm-hmm. pump your brakes. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, for yeah. the record, I'm going to say, I still think the Dolphins are a very good team. And just because I said fade them last week, I said it last Reverse week too. Fade. It's not that they're not good. They are. Yeah. yeah we're going double uh, or uh, yeah. The, what's the thing with double psychology? What's the reverse, reverse psychology? psychology yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, I do reverse. think the Dolphins are a good team. I said that last week. Double I just reverse psychology. A 70, a double. I just said like a, a Sunday where you score 70 points mm-hmm. like that. Like when that happens, it, it's you're up 30. And then next thing you know, it, it just snowballs because the defense is like, there's just nothing we can do. I don't want to say they quit because that's a bad thing to say about NFL players, but like no. you just, when you're getting beat up that bad, like you're just not human nature. You're not going full speed. So it's not that the 70 points wasn't impressive. You know, it's not, it's just that let's all just 
take a beat and 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 let's see what happens when they go up against a really really good team in Buffalo here. And Buffalo was like, "Oh, you think you're the best offense in the league? Like, we can actually run the ball now. Like, watch us run the ball down your throat. Watch yeah. Josh Allen be the best player in the NFL through four weeks." Uh, which I think you can make the case he has been. I mean, Josh Allen has been incredible since that week one loss on Monday night against the Jets, which was a weird fairy tale of a game. The Bills, to me, are up there with San Francisco as the top two teams in the NFL. Oh, two teams I picked to go to the Super Bowl. Imagine that. Uh, no, Josh Allen did whatever he wanted to do, uh, which which was exciting. I think, for the most part, Miami was able to move the ball pretty well, too, on offense. It was their defense that let them down, right? I mean, they did only end up with 20, but still, yeah, like like they, they couldn't stop the Bills at all. And it seemed like at, at the start it was going to be a really, you know, uh, fun game. Uh, there was some scoring back and forth. Then, I mean, the Bills just tore it up in the second and third quarter, and that kind of went away. But Josh Allen, I mean, had many touchdowns, his incompletions. He, he was in control the whole game. The Bills' defense, credit to them, because they did seemingly – disrupt this Miami Dolphins offense that you can't take seven points away from them. And and not only that, but yeah, they, they also like, I mean, they're just fast as shit. So good game plan way to way to just win on that side of the ball, Buffalo holding the Dolphins to 20 points. You should be able to win. And they blew them out. So, I mean, this was a huge win, almost winning by 30 against an undefeated team. Like the bills, this definitely puts, I think to bed that first week, law or the um yeah they lost week one to the jets right that was yeah yeah and like that was all a crazy game Aaron Rodgers goes down all that like this solidifies them definitely jeff to your point is like one of those top tier teams in the nfl yeah uh since week one josh allen has thrown for uh 800 yards eight touchdowns one interception <laughs> that's pretty good that's pretty good um he's completing I, I mean, it's just he's he's unbelievable. I mean, like he, even in the game where like he goes 20 of 32 against Washington, but he still had a QBR of 90.7, which is his highest on the season. Um, and everyone was so quick to, to write off Josh Allen. But like, I mean, look, he's he's ran for almost 100 yards in the last three games uh, in total, not per game. He's he's averaging 300 yards per game. He's throwing bombs. Uh, Stevon Diggs looks really good. And Gabe Davis is another one too, where it's like, he got that contract last year. And all of a sudden, like who's where's Gabe Davis. This is three straight games where the he's touchdown the for Gabe Davis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he's just, he's finding ways to get in the end zone. The defense for <laughs> Buffalo, I thought was really, was the more impressive unit yeah. in this game. And yeah. that's saying something and- because their team speed is incredible. Losing Tredavious white to an Achilles injury for the rest of the season. That sucks. Um, but they they all did all this without Von Miller coming back too, so they're still getting Von Miller to come back. Uh, the defensive line is looking to be like the uh, as advertised D line that we've Plus kind of Matt expected. Yeah. yeah, and Matt Milano, who I mean, no one's as good as Bobby Wagner or um, Fred Warner, but I, I mean, <laughs> Matt Milano is is yeah. is right up there as a number two if you can't have uh, you know Fred Warner. So for sure, for sure, I, I I'm interested to see next week because this will that'll be the toughest test on defense i think especially if jacksonville plays the way that they uh that they did against atlanta they're staying in london buffalo's got to go over there so it'll that, that should be an interesting game uh next week buffalo and and jacksonville also uh last note for me on this one shout out to james cook took the under on receptions two and a half hit that took the james cook plus 400 anytime touchdown score nailed that 
Let's go, boys. I'm a James Cook fan for life. Yeah, James Cook's been really good. He's been the best running back that Josh Allen's had as a teammate. And um, just seeing, like, look, it's 100 yards on the ground. But if you look at the yardage splits, it's like Josh Allen is a very small percentage of that, right? So if you're running for, for – Yeah, exactly. So if you're you're running for 104 yards and, and Josh Allen has 17 of them, that's enough to, to let Josh Allen be free in the passing game, which is where you want him to make his presence felt. And then, of course, he's always going to have that threat of what he can do with the ball in his hands. Uh, all right, we'll go through a quick uh, three games here. Uh, one more good game, and then we got a couple more shitty games we can kind of roll through quicker. Rams, Colts. Uh, the Rams left the door open for Indy to come back, uh, but ultimately found a way to get it done in the end. Uh, the the legend of Puka Nakua continuing to grow. Uh, 39 receptions through four games breaks uh, Anquan Bolden's record for a rookie receptions through the first four weeks of a career. Um, I believe Anquan Bolden had 30 and Puka Nakua is at 39. Um, huge impact player. Uh, Matt Stafford, I think, quietly is having a really, really good, strong start to the season. And if you're at the Colts on the other side, I mean, again, it's, it, we'll talk about Houston uh, coming up here on the other side of the break, too. But Shane Steichen, he's getting these guys playing really a much better brand of football than they've been playing the last couple of years. I feel like the defense as a whole plays with a better edge. Uh, I feel like seeing Anthony Richardson come out here, bring them back. You know, they, they were down 20 to nothing at halftime. They get it all the way to overtime, score 15 points in the fourth quarter. It was a really impressive showing for a rookie uh, kid who was really, really raw coming out and a really, really good coaching job by Shane Steichen to get this team in a position where they can legitimately compete and and go up against teams that could very well end up being the playoffs. Yeah, no, Dude, I, what he would go ahead, Vito. What, I was I just throw this one in. Are you ready for this? I, just for people who don't remember, because like, oh, we just had the draft, all that stuff. Puka Nakua was pick 177 and is already broken every record he possibly can by four games in like that's yeah that's and it I, so i just want to leave that for everybody because when you're talking about the draft and all that and they're like oh yeah you know all this stuff about all these wide receivers guess what it's it's this guy and this is what we're saying shit's deep this is incredible this season's having and i cannot wait to see more of, this, of what puka can do for a whole I, season because he sees i, like I can I can because he's in my division, <laughs> but uh, but you're right. No, and I don't. Th- there's two things I think about the Rams. One, I don't think this slows down next week once Cooper Cup comes back from the IR. I think that just makes them even more explosive on offense because of the way Matt Stafford's been playing, and because of the way that they're able to rush the ball. 25 carries and 103 and two tutties for for Kieran Williams on the ground. That's not insignificant, and I think that all of that is due to how well, uh, far and above the 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 best offensive line play compared to what we thought they would be on offensive line uh, going into the season. I mean, they've been, they've been playing out of their minds on that, that O-line, that unproven O-line. So uh, a credit to them, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't think it slows down. They're one of those frisky teams that, that I think is it's going to make some noise uh, when it comes down to week 15, 16, 17. I think so too. I mean, defensively, you still have Aaron Donald like out here making plays and it's a young defense around him, but ultimately like the defense is still playing really, really well. And at some point they're going to bring back Cooper cup who when he's healthy could dander be the best wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, if he comes back next week um, and now you're going to have, Hey, we got two legitimate pass catching options at number one, number two, wide receiver. You still have your third. 
You have Van Jefferson out of the slot. Tyler Higby's a great, consistent tight end. He just got a two-year contract extension on Friday. Uh, and then, yeah, now that they shipped out Cam Akers, Kyron Williams looking like a pretty damn good player. Um, and, and they're doing it behind an offensive line that, as you said, Scotty, last year was atrocious. This year looks to be uh, much improved, uh, much higher than any sort of expectations we had going in. But I also think it's important to keep in mind that, like, the Colts are also still a young team, right? And like a, a true like playoff team puts a team like the Colts to bed. As frisky and fun as Anthony Richardson is, um, you would hope that they would do a little bit better, uh, you know, against a team like this. But I think the the Colts are going to be one of these teams that hangs around, man, because Anthony Richardson's just really hard to beat. Uh, he can just do so many things. Uh, Two hundred and fifty six total yards of offense, three touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, 56 carries on the ground, uh, 10 carries on the ground for 56 yards, yeah. 11 to 25 for 200. You don't like that, but you also kind of expect that out of a rookie. To me, it's, it's the 11 that he makes in big moments on third downs, those 20 yard outs where he just has that rev in his shoulder. He can get the ball there when other guys can't. Um, yeah, he's, he's been really fun to watch. So bright, bright future ahead, I think, for the Colts. And uh, I think they, they also brought in the perfect coach to develop a guy like Anthony Richardson, which is what I said coming out. And, and normally a guy that raw, you'd like to see them sit behind, you know, a little bit. But Shane Steichen's done a really good job of coaching up Anthony Richardson to the point where it's like, hey, we're going to let this dude and all of his, his tools get us to, you know, a, a certain baseline of success. And then we will be able to add more as we get there. Um, so yeah, loving, loving what I'm seeing, uh, out of Anthony Richardson. And again, the Rams, they're going to be a frisky team. Uh, and with Cooper cut back, presumably healthy, I think it's going to continue to be good. Jonathan uh, Taylor coming back from PUP. That too. Yes. He is scheduled to start practice on Wednesday, um, which is great news. And, and Hey, look, if they're two and two, again, they're in first place in the AFC South. So, we're going to talk about the Titans here in a second. We talked about Jacksonville earlier. Jacksonville hasn't looked like the team we thought they were going to be. Tennessee is as up and down as the team's been throughout the first four games of the regular season so far. So who knows what you're going to get out of Tennessee moving forward. And Houston's looked really good. But again, young team, they're going to have some bad losses. Why not Indy? Why can't Indy sneak in as a nine and eight conference champ and, and, and ho or a division champ and host a playoff game, uh, you know, in, uh, in Luke oil. So, uh, all right, let's go to a couple blowouts before we take a quick break. Ravens, Browns, uh, Deshaun Watson scratched from this game last minute. However, this was the first time we've seen this Cleveland Browns defense struggle. Um, they're starting to get a little banged up with the injury bug. Obviously, the Nick Chubb thing, um, like it's just hard to come back from that. And you almost wonder if like without him there, he's such a big heartbeat of that team what is it what is a realistic option for what the browns could be this season i think is a valid question um but definitely if you have dtr playing in there and not uh deshaun watson for as much as deshaun hasn't been great you at least know this dude started 100 Better football games this. in the yeah. nfl right like as opposed yeah. to a, a rookie who's coming in throwing the ball backwards half the time yeah i mean the three picks Listen, this game wasn't close. The Ravens on defense and offense. But to your point, like that defense was on the field a lot. Um, and the, the, it was just, it was brutal. I mean, the time possession ended up even. I don't know what it was, though, for the first two and a half quarters, which is really when the game was won. So, um, yeah, the Ravens, 
owned that team. And and it was tough. They didn't have their quarterback. It was last second. I'm sure the quarterback didn't even get that many reps in practice. I know he's limited in practice, but he still practiced Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So uh, I don't know that that one was, uh, was rough for them. And I'm sure their backup was like, shit, man, I, I barely got reps. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's Nin- 19 suck. of 36 for 121 yards and three picks. Yeah. That's bad. Was also sacked four times for forty-eight yards. Eighteen point eight QBR. <laughs> yeah, not not great. Not exactly what you're looking for there. Um, but again, no Deshaun Watson. It's a backup. I, I guess I was more disappointed that the Browns' defense felt like they had little to no fight in this game. Like it felt like the Ravens were able to kind of just from the jump control this game. There wasn't a whole lot of. You know, this is a defense that was historic through three weeks who just got absolutely walked over. And it's not like we're talking about defensive touchdowns or special teams touchdowns here. It's just the Ravens were able to go down, march the ball on them, put up 28 points and bring in a backup quarterback for the second half of the fourth quarter and put this game to bet. And to your point, like the difference there is the touchdowns, right? Like scoring touchdowns in the red zone. And Mark Andrews was created that enough of that nightmare March. He got two, two touchdowns. I'm pretty sure in this one. So like he was all over when they needed him. One was incredible. Yeah. That showed, right? Like, like he having a tight end or some mismatch. It was the first time to your point, the Browns had some like weak point that teams were attacking over and over again. It seemed like it worked. So we'll see if this continues for that team. And and mobile quarterbacks could definitely be a weakness for this Browns team for as good as that pass rush is a mobile quarterback can negate a certain amount of that. Right. And, and if Lamar is able to find ways to, to utilize his legs and if it's Lamar, if it's Jalen hurts, you know, pick whatever mobile quarterback you want. Um, Mahomes, obviously Josh Allen, like, I think that's going to be tough for this Browns team because if, if, and then look, anytime your quarterback throws three picks, right? Like three turnovers immediately, it's unlikely you're going to win that game at all. Um, I just was expecting a little bit more of a fight from the Browns defense than, than we saw. Yeah. Uh, to me, it just boiled down to Lamar Jackson playing like MVP or Lamar Jackson again. Um, yeah. that was, this is the first glimpse we've seen of it in a long time. So, uh, when we talk about how, uh, when we talked about in the, in the preview, how, uh, we think this Baltimore team could be better than. Uh, anyone is expecting uh, them to be in, in in this tough division. I think this is why. And you're seeing the opposite effect of that in Cincinnati, where we expected it to be better. Uh, but look, Lamar Jackson, if he keeps playing at this level and stays healthy, this team's going to win a lot of football games. Yeah. Uh, regardless of 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 uh, their schedule, which is is still difficult. But and, and and look, I've been saying it since the preseason, right? Like our last preview pod, I said, like, we're going to get to like week six, week seven, and the Ravens are going to be like six and one, five and one. And all of a sudden people are like, you know who we haven't been talking about who only has lost one game so far, the Baltimore Ravens. Right. And I kind of put them in the same class as like the Eagles where it's like, they're out here winning games and it hasn't always looked pretty. And some have looked good and some haven't, and we can throw a bunch of excuses at it, but the win loss record eventually is bill Parcells told us like, you are what your record says you are, right? You know, and if the Ravens are three and one, they beat what had been the best defense in the NFL as badly as they did this week, regardless about anything else, like that is impressive. And you have to give credit where it's due, even though I, I think the Ravens haven't looked as um, dynamic offensively as I thought. I think like Mark Andrews' life is so much easier having, I know Odell didn't play in this game, but having Zay Flowers, having a guy like Nelson Aguilar, who is explosive, 
um, while still having the threat, obviously, of Lamar in the running game. Like, just having a little bit of help frees up Mark Andrews to do even more, particularly in the red zone, and I think we saw that here. Uh, all right, one more before we take a break, because the NFL stacked their their afternoon games the same way as last week. Uh, Bengals, Titans, the, the Bengals are in some trouble. Um, look, Joe Burrow's obviously hurt. Right. Like, no question. I picked the Bengals to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, Joe Burrow is hurt right now. And the one in three is a really, really tough hole to dig yourself out of. Not to say that they can't, but playing on this calf injury every single week, it's not going to get better by itself. And at some point, you have to put the emphasis on making sure Joe Burrow is healthy, because if they sneak in as a wild card, if they come in as the sixth seed in the playoffs, even if they don't win the division, no team wants to play Cincinnati in the postseason with a healthy Joe Burrow and a healthy Jamar Chase, right? Like at its core, um, the Titans put it to him in this game, vintage Derrick Henry game, Derrick Henry with his fourth career touchdown pass. Uh, that little pop pass always works with Derrick Henry. It's so funny. They always, they break it out like once a year for the last four years and every time it's hit. Um, but the Bengals are in some trouble, and, and Tennessee, I just have no idea what to make of them. It just feels like another Mike Vrabel, gritty team that's going to win, like, anywhere between eight to ten games and will probably find their way into the postseason. But Cincinnati is, is too good of a football team to, to lose games like this, and unfortunately, a huge part of it is just Joe Burrow can't move. The mobility side of him, and th- there's not that same – like, not that he had a monster arm, but he definitely doesn't have – as much juice on his throws, uh, particularly in that intermediate stuff, because you're using that calf to help generate a lot of your torque when you're throwing the football. So uh, it's a rough spot. If you guys are Cincinnati, are you are you willing to to put you know Josh or uh, put uh, Joe Burrow on the bench for a couple weeks to get healthy, and then bring him back after, or are you just trying to win as many games now as you can uh, with you know eighty percent of Joe Burrow? I, would, I don't think you I can at this point. Benched. Yeah. Ooh. All right. I, I different different to, sides. I I just think that right now, like you have to let him heal right now, waste two more games, be one and five, and then start a crazy streak like they always do. You know what I mean? Or I don't know how long it'll be, but like I feel like if this drags on for the next four like five games, they could also win like two or three. Like they could lose a lot here. I mean, their defense got ran over yesterday, and like that you know they've helped him out a lot down playoff stretches and everything, but like. If, if they're going to get dominated like that, they need they need a quick scoring offense. And I know he's maybe your best shot. Maybe that's where you're going, Scotty. But, like, I, I don't know. I think you just get ready for a freaking streak that you're going to have to pull off. Because you're going to have to have – like, starting off one and three, your chance of making the playoffs are extremely low. And uh, they have the team, right? They have the talent. But I don't know, man. What do you think, Scott? You keep him in? If he, yeah, I, I think you have to. If you had won two of these four games – uh, or three instead of losing one or winning one and losing three, then it's I I would agree with you, Vito. But right now you're staring down the Cardinals, who are a better team uh, than we thought that they were. Uh, the Seahawks, who are uh, we think a, a pretty good team anyway, uh, at San Francisco, um, who we think we know is a good team, and, and then you get then you hit your bye week. And then Buffalo right after that. And then the Texans right after that, who is are a better team. And then at the Ravens, who we how we know how good they are. This is not a stretch where you can be like, you know what? Let's just throw two, three, four games and hope Joe Burrow or get to the bye week and hope Joe Burrow gets back. 
because at that point i think you're going to be buried like there's there's no coming back from from one and five or one and six even uh if if it lasts that long and I, you you have to throw him out there because he's your best shot at winning games again like if they had won one or two more games in this in these first four i totally would be in favor of of putting him on the bench cutting your losses letting him get healthy and then coming back for the stretch but dude no you are in you're in a bad hole now and you're going to be in an unfathomable hole if you bench him right now well and i think i tend to lean with scotty only because t higgins has a broken rib and is going to try to play he's going to try to play through it um it's insane but if t higgins is healthy i go okay they just re-signed aj mccarran to their practice squad Dude with NFL caliber experience, right? And and is yep. solid. Jake Browning, who's their backup now, never started an NFL game, was frankly terrible at Washington. And the fact that he's now in year three in the NFL is, is pretty shocking. He's got a monster arm. Like, the dude can throw the lights out, but, like, he's never started an NFL game. And we saw that Arizona's a pretty aggressive defense this year, albeit different than what we've seen out of Jonathan Gannon in the past as a defensive coordinator. I think I'd rather have Burrow in in the next three, or even if it's if you win, like, let's say between Arizona, Seattle, San Francisco, and then they get the bye. Um, actually, sorry, then they have Buffalo, and then they get the bye. No, wait, when is their bye? No, week? it's two weeks and then the bye. So they got Arizona, Seattle, Arizona, Seattle. Week, oh, bye week, and then San Francisco. I think you yeah. you try to get at least one of those two wins, right? Like if you go in with Burrow, you beat Arizona, you go to two and three then maybe you sit them and you give them a couple weeks. Or you say, hey, do I trust A.J. McCarron or Jake, Jake Browning to win one of these next two game, games against Arizona, which you with the roster and everything else, you should be able to do. But I I don't know. Like, at least Arizona, if you go one and one here and you're two and four after your bye week and Joe Burrow's healthy because you're giving him a month to fully recover, then you have a shot against San Francisco, against Buffalo. But – What's crazy is like what we thought was a relatively easy schedule going down the stretch is not easy. I mean, you have Arizona, Seattle. Neither of those games are easy. San Fran, Buffalo, we know. Houston, that game's going to be tough. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, we know those AFC North games are going to be tough. Jacksonville, tough. Indy, tough. Minnesota and Pittsburgh are the two easiest games you have left on your schedule. And even still, one of them is a division rival. And then you get Kansas City and Cleveland to close out the season. So wins have to be a priority. So if you you pretty much have to go one and one over these next two games if you're going to have a shot for the rest of the season. And if that gives you a chance to, like, let's say you beat Arizona and you're like, all right, we're going to give Joe Burrow three weeks off now before he has to play again, then you probably end up doing it. But if you have a shot, you also, to Vita's point, you need a healthy Joe Burrow and – I just don't know when they're going to do it unless they start to sit him, which uh, is going to be interesting. Um, Tennessee, like I said, do you guys have any other thoughts on Tennessee other than what I said about it's just the same Mike Vrabel, 9-18? and Yeah, gonna... keep, give, keep giving them two and a half uh, points as a dog at home. Like, keep yeah. go ahead. I'm just raking in money at this point. Seriously, it's wild. <laughs> Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break. There aren't really any more great games, so we'll be able to get through the rest of these games quickly. Uh, and we'll hear from Scotty on his Niners, who improved to 4-0 as well. And then we'll get you guys in the way to the rest of your week. All right, second half of the games from Sunday. Not the best games overall. Sunday night was fun. We'll get to that game in a little bit. But we're going to try to go a little more rapid fire through some of these. 
Uh, NFC South matchup, Bucks Saints. Um, I mean, look overall, like I'm I'm stoked for Baker. Like I just I, I love this for him and and mm-hmm. with the way his career has gone and finding a team. Tampa Bay seems like they are the best, most complete team in that division. So shout out to Vito, man. You you called this preseason. I laughed at you. Uh, I called you a fucking idiot. Uh, yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. But I did. I I <laughs> definitely thought you were you were you were stoned or something when you made that pick. Um, but so far the Bucs have looked really good. Baker's looked really good. Uh, clutch fourth quarter touchdown to kind of seal that game for Tampa Bay. Uh, all in all, really good stuff. And the Saints, I don't know why you rushed Derek Carr back um, to play in this game. It's just an AC joint. It's where you're throwing with. You have Jameis. You have Jameis yeah. right there. Just play. Just play him. Play Jameis. That's what that's what the people want. People want, want Jameis. Uh, and we were unfortunately given like three quarters of Derek Carr. So the Saints never really had a shot. The biggest takeaway from this, and Vito, you'll love this stat. Um, so I believe uh, Alvin Kamara had 13 catches for 33 yards. Do I have those numbers correct? Uh, Accurate. Yes, I do. 13 catches for 33 yards. That is the least amount of yards for someone with 13 or more catches in an NFL game ever. So uh, – uh, yeah, and his longest was uh, ten yards. So it makes um, sense. Like, yeah, don't do that against the Tampa two defense. Uh, they're giving you underneath, but they're going to come up and talk you. Just saying, corners. I love it. I love <laughs> yeah. it. Um, really, really bad game for Derek Carr. Um, I know Jameis came in for one throw and immediately got picked off, which was perfect. Uh, but yeah, the Saints. I look with a healthy Derek Carr. I think the Saints are frisky because I think that defense is really good. Um, defense is good you've got a good receiving core Alvin Kamara being back is is a bigger deal than than I think most people will think because like I you know the guy who has him in a PP, full PPR league isn't complaining don't get no, me wrong yeah. but like what he does on the uh what he does for that offense I think is 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 going to help Derek Carr especially but Derek Carr with a sprained AC joint is basically like Drew Brees's final year where it's like he can throw the ball maybe seven yards downfield um and so we're just going to dump the ball down to Alvin Kamara a million times. Uh, but the Bucs come away with a big win here. Baker, look, I mean, look, Baker's been solid. It, the only time he struggled this year is going up against a really good pass rush in Philly where he just didn't have time and, and they were moving the pocket so he couldn't step up. But he's finding ways to win games. Um, love that for Baker. Uh, but, yeah, neither one of these teams I think is, you know, we're not talking NFC championship level, but I think the Bucs are the front runner for the NFC South. Uh, yeah, Vikings, but I think that, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I, to the one thing that I took away too, is that it hurts uh, losing Mike, uh, Mike Evans with the hamstring. That's going to put a, a bit of a damper on that offense. But every year, I mean, this happens Mike, yeah. every year. Mike Evans has a hamstring issue. It's, but, and, and he'll find a way to come back. It'll be like, he'll be questionable, doubtful all week. And then Sunday morning, Schefter will put out the tweets like Mike Evans active today. You're like, all right. Fine. And that'll be the, the 200 yard. 13 catch game that he has. Yeah, with like three touchdowns. Yeah, or it'll be yeah. like the he has like three catches for two touchdowns and 20 yards, and they're both two goal line <laughs> fades. That's yeah. right. Uh, Vikings-Panthers, this is uh, going down as a, as a nobody cares game. Um, I guess if Adam Thielen one, cared. The someone he had did. to win game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, 13 nothing lead from the Panthers. I know that was a, one of them was on the defensive touchdown. You were hoping for a little bit better. Uh you know, of, of a final outcome, but credit to Kirk Cousins doing, I mean, Kirk Cousins having a weird season. Um, I mean, dude, 12 of 19, two touchdowns, two picks, only 139 yards. 
Uh, they were able to move the ball a little bit better on the ground. Justin Jefferson, t- first time this year, he hasn't had 150 yards in a game. So uh, at least he was averaging 150. Uh, yeah. But he still had two touchdowns. So Justin Jefferson <laughs> yeah, still him. made him. Yeah, I yeah, know. Still making himself <laughs> heard. Six catches, 85 yards for two touchdowns. Uh, Justin Jefferson, pretty good at football, as I think we're. that's going to be our, our Vikings recap every week. Is Justin Jefferson good at football? Yeah, Justin Jefferson's good at football. Okay, cool. Next. Um, but yeah, so Scotty, you have your hands up in the air. You're excited about did this. You, did you see uh, this is the most exciting play from this game? The Kirk Cousins pick where they picked it at the goal line and ran back 100 yards for the yes. touchdowns Carolina did. Did yes. you see Kirk Cousins not only run to try to make the tackle, but he got absolutely obliterated. He sure did. <laughs> He sure it just did. made me laugh every time I watched the the replay, and I'm sorry for laughing, Kirk, if you're listening. But dude, like that was not one for the highlight reel. No, in fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up on Twitter now, just because you're right. It is that much fun to watch. I mean, credit oh. to him for hustling all the way back. Yeah, I, I that's what I mean. Like to go stride for stride with those guys for for most of the hundred yards was impressive. Uh, for as milk toast as he is. Uh, and I would assume not pretty fast, uh, but man, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Oh. The block, oh, it's you could call it a block in it's the back, gold. though. I think, I think if I was an official, I would be like, it'd be so funny to throw a flag on that Kirk Cousins yeah. illegal block in the back, but. I think they appreciated the fact that he just got lit up, which uh, I can also appreciate <laughs> with. Uh, I would say Bryce Young's best game is a pro, but. I mean, look, he's he he's they're throwing the ball a lot, man, and he's he's getting the ball out. It's slowly coming along, um, but this is like the doomsday scenario if you're the Panthers. Like, you don't even have your first round, you don't have your first round pick for next year. You traded it all to get this guy, so you're just like, all right, well, we're gonna live with the you know live and die with the the lumps that we see from Bryce Young. Thanks. Yeah, I'll take CMC this year. Um, <laughs> they also go out and spend 26 mil on Miles Sanders. He's not even the leading touch. Uh, getter and in, in the backfield chuba hubbard with 14 carries um yeah the the panthers are in disarray i i love my man frank reich shout out to the 2017 super bowl i'll use the offense corner for the eagles this could be a one and done year i think for frank reich um yeah it's not not great not great bob uh any other thoughts vikings panthers like i said nobody cares game nope we're gonna move right around texans 30 pittsburgh steelers six the Steel City is uh is 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 in trouble here. I went back last minute right before the season, put a bunch in on the Steelers, thought I was going to see some improvement on uh, Kenny Pickett and this offense, and Matt Canada has decided to just diarrhea all over the entire Steelers season. I don't think Kenny Pickett is this bad. Like I really don't. I I think this offense no. is so fundamentally flawed. Um, the defense getting lit up by rookie CJ Stroud. Cause like, look, CJ Stroud is the story out of this game, Yeah. but expectations wise, like we had some realistic expectations for the Steelers. We had no expectations for CJ Stroud. And so that to me is why like we're focusing more on the Steelers here because we thought the Steelers could be pretty good. Uh, CJ Stroud is really good as a rookie and to go up against TJ Watt and a really good defensive front, uh, and, and a defensive coach and Mike Tomlin, who's been doing this a long time and have this kind of start to a career, still has not thrown an interception in his career. CJ Stroud has been remarkable. Nico Collins, huge breakout year for him. It's your guy, yeah. That is my <laughs> guy. Say. I'm a big, big Nico Collins fan right now. Seven catches for 168 and two touchdowns. 
Um, but yeah, disappointing. I, I, I refuse to believe the Steelers are this bad offensively. That Kenny Pickett's this bad. The offensive line's better. The running back room is good and they have weapons outside. It makes no sense other than their offensive coordinator is a complete fucking clown and the Steelers That's, need yeah. to move on for him ASAP. And I think yeah. the play calling and I hate, I don't usually like bashing play calling, but I think that's what's put Kenny Pickett in particular in a scenario where he's getting really injured in these games because like <laughs> there's, there's no way that he can, he can function in this offense. Uh, it's, it's just mediocre and terrible. Uh, and just, I don't understand how they've been able to function. Even uh, Najee Harris had his best game in what a year and a half. Uh, and he he only had seventy one yards, um, man. I just and and then I, you almost feel bad for the guy Patrick Peterson on the other side of the ball who's he was played out, a, a yeah. phenomenal career, but he's getting absolutely cooked by every receiver, especially in the red zone. Yeah, yeah, and he came back for this one. But I, I think for me, the, the biggest thing is like to your point, C.J. Stroud is the best start to a rookie that we've seen probably since Cam Newton. Yeah. Uh, Statistically, they're like right yeah. next to each other passing the ball, and CJ Stroud's doing it without being the largest and fastest player on yeah. the field like Cam Newton was. And he also just, it's so we just talked about, oh, Justin Fields finally did great. He got over 300 yards. CJ Stroud's only gotten over 300 yards in his first four games. So, like, that's pretty impressive. Um, or maybe he's had three out of four. Either way, it's, it's insane to see what he's done. He's the story, man. And this team, uh, actually looks good. Like they're running the ball. Well, they can throw it. They like Nico Collins. Good call on that. But this, this offense can go, man. So them scoring 30 on Pittsburgh, it could happen. Like they can put up some points on some defenses. It seems like, which is shocking. Yeah. I mean, look, 1200 yards, six touchdowns, zero picks. Uh, the completion percentage is low, but you expect that out of a rookie. And this team is yeah. two and two. And very easily could be three and one if they hold on to that overtime game against the Colts. Um, other than that first week one game against Baltimore, it was, uh, or sorry, they got, they lost 31 to 20 against the Colts. Um, but it was rough game against the Colts in their second outing, but then 37 points against uh, Jacksonville in Jacksonville in week three, and then 30 points against the Steelers. D'Amico Ryans is doing things the right way. And he's really, he really is setting a culture there. I think the Love defense too, like, we can bash the the Pittsburgh offense as much as we want, and it's valid. But those guys on the other side are are playing football too. You know, like it's yeah. always that cliche. You know, oh, the other guys get paid too. Um, I mean, Will Anderson's been really good. Christian Harris, Henry To'o To'o. I mean, they talk about like what the Eagles did, just going after all the Georgia and Bama guys. Houston's doing the same thing. Christian Harris, ten uh, Henry To'o To'o, and Will Anderson, all Bama guys, and they're all playing really really good football so far. So. Um, I love this Houston team. I think they're super fun to watch. I think CJ Stroud's really, really fun to watch. And I hope they keep this train rolling. Uh, Chargers Raiders. The Chargers tried to give this game away um, in Brandon Staley facet uh, fashion. And, uh, and this time it paid off for them because Justin Herbert, you know, finally, I don't say finally as if he hasn't been good because he has been really, really good. But like, these are the games where where like we've been so quick to blame Brandon Staley or the defense in other places who deserve blame. But like Justin Herbert's also had opportunities to close out games. The second half against the Raiders was ugly, but when it came up most with a broken finger and a ripped off fingernail on his non-throwing hand, Justin Herbert was able to find a way to get this team a win. 
Um, the Chargers are two and two. I, I think they're a the most talented and while also simultaneously being a bad team team I've seen in a really long time. <laughs> I mean, Khalil Mack with six sacks in this game, no Joe Bosa, no Austin Eckler, no Derwin J- uh, Jackson. Like we're talking about like arguably three out of the top four best players for the Chargers were out of this game. And yet this was still probably the best win they've had all season. Um, I don't think the Chargers are very good. I think Justin Herbert's very good. No Mike Williams the rest of the year is going to hurt them. Uh, I still think if you're a betting man that Brandon Staley to be the first coach fired is a very good bet. Um, but yeah, I mean, they find a way to do it. Justin Herbert comes up big when they need to, and uh, they find out a win, but getting shut out in the second half against the Raiders. Yes, you really, that shouldn't happen for a team that has potential like playoff and Super Bowl aspirations, which we assume based off the roster alone that the Chargers should be. Yeah, really, especially against a rookie quarterback. <laughs> yeah, just really demoralizing because, like, you, you got to at least get some points on there, even field goals, right? You drive down, you, you add a possession on nothing. They couldn't do it. So, I mean, you got to be concerned as a Chargers fan um, moving forward, but it's a division game. You win a division game, that that's a key. If they ended up one and three after this, Brandon Staley could have been fired, to your point. So, um, they were close, man. Yeah, second second I, after the Chargers, punt, interception, punt, downs, and then they got the one stop on their final drive to close out the game. I mean, like, you just can't do that against a team that's as bad as the Raiders, especially a division no. opponent. And to me, it doesn't make sense. Like, I, I get Mike Williams is out, but you drafted Quentin Johnson to be that same guy, and you still can't execute in the, in the passing game. And granted, I know Justin Herbert got hurt late, Uh that finger probably didn't help uh, even though it was on his non-throwing hand, but like you have to be better in the past game against that team. We've seen how bad the Raiders have been over the past season and, and a quarter now in, in the secondary uh, that, that has to be, especially after the, the two monster games, three monster games straight that Keenan Allen has put up, that has to be getting him more involved, right? That can't just be, uh, well, we're going to put it on Justin Herbert's back and, and hope for the best. And uh, maybe we'll mix in as Isaiah Spiller because Joshua Kelly hasn't uh, hasn't been uh, the, the best replacement for Austin Eckler. No, dude, like you have those guys on your squad for a reason, right? Use them. I don't know. No, I'm with you. And look, maybe thing again, things look different with a healthy Austin Eckler hasn't played since week one, and that was the best this offense has looked. But I think – any offense will take a step back when one of the really, really good players is hurt or is out. But if you have a guy that you just gave $250 million to, you also hope that they can find ways to win games without those guys. And look, today they did, but they also like how confident do you feel? Because they lost, you know, they, they, they've they lost two games. They've won two. They're two and one without Austin Eckler. You'll take that. But the offense itself has looked significantly worse since week one with no Austin Eckler. And you would hope that they'd be able to carry you um, through to the other side. Uh, on the other side, the Chargers, I think, are one of those teams – are the Raiders, rather, are one of those teams you just kind of hold in the bottom. Um, I, 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 I'll i say this. I don't think they've looked terrible. Like, I think when they've played teams that they're completely outmatched by talent, they've gotten their doors blown off like they did against Buffalo. And other than that, they've kind of been frisky and hanging around. And shout-out to Aiden O'Connell, Purdue legend. Uh, who was also a preseason legend. And frankly, Jimmy G has six interceptions through three games. Aiden O'Connell came in, played pretty damn good football across the board. So I say, fuck it. You know, like 
Jimmy G's got one year left on his contract after this. Caught him after this year. Move on. Aiden O'Connell, franchise QB. Let's go. It was only a matter of time before you saw the O next to Jimmy Garoppolo's name on the injury report. That is true. I would love, though, too, if, like, the first, like, true face of the franchise quarterback for the Vegas Raiders, like, the future. Because, like, it was tail end Derek Carr, but he was from Oakland. And then they make the Jimmy G trade. It'd be hilarious if, like, a Purdue quarterback was the face of the Las Vegas Raiders. Like, Aiden O'Connell. Cradle of quarterbacks. (laughs) Yeah, is the face of, of the Las Vegas Raiders. That'd be incredible. Um, all right, three more games here. Patriots, Cowboys. Um, Yikes. So, the, so, yeah, so I'm going to say this because this game was eerily similar to the opening night, Sunday night game where the, the Cowboys beat the shit out of the, the Giants. Two defensive touchdowns in the first half for Dallas, and that was really all they need. Like, they had the field goal in the opening drive. They scored a touchdown in the first quarter, and then two defensive touchdowns at that point. Like, the game was kind of put to bed already. I am so curious to see what happens on Sunday night this week when the Cowboys play the Niners, because I honestly got to have no idea if the Cowboys are really good or mediocre or just have an insane defense. And the offense is the same Cowboys defense. I have no idea. I have no idea what to expect because two out of the three wins, the defense scored as many points as the offense did. So like the defense scored two, two touchdowns in this game. The offense scored two touchdowns in this game. I, I have no idea what to expect out of this Cowboys team. We know that they can win with a lead when they had to try to chase down a lead. When they played the Cardinals, they looked like shit. So I want to see him play San Francisco because my hunch for right now, we'll obviously talk about this game later in the week, is I think San Francisco beats the doors off of Dallas next week. I I, I, oh, no. I think this Why Dallas defense – Well, because I think this Dallas defense <laughs> can be really good, but I don't think they're unbeatable. You know, I think – the New England bandwagon, like I think it was going to fall off at any point. I think Mac Jones looked so weird and shaky in week one and has continued to look that way that I think it was always going to end like that for New England. And it just so happens to be against a really good defense of the Cowboys. I don't know if this offense is particularly good. We haven't seen them be fully tested. In the two games where their defense didn't score as much as their offense, they're one and one. Right. So I want to see what they look like against San Francisco. I think that game's going to be really telling about how the rest of this regular season plays out. But for now, you look at Dallas and you go Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence uh, there. I forget the, the name of their interior defense lineman. who's really good. The second year player like their front four is nasty. Their front seven is really good. Uh, and even without Trayvon Diggs, like the secondary still OK. But again, you're going up against the Patriots and Kendrick Bourne, you know, like what are we, and, and Juju Smith-Schuster, like what are we really seeing in terms of wide receiver talent next week? You're going to get Debo. You're going to get Brandon Ayuk. You're going to get McCaffrey. You're going to get Kittle. You're going to get that whole group of San Francisco skill guys, which I think is going to make it a really interesting thought. Am I crazy for, for questioning the Cowboys at three and one? Because as an Eagles fan, I'm scared shitless. Cause I think they're going to shit pump us when we play them in a few weeks, but I also don't think that Dallas is necessarily like on the same level as San Francisco or Buffalo. Well, that's the thing. Luckily we get to find out next week. Cause to your point, I, I don't, I wouldn't put them in the same bucket either, but this is their chance to go earn it pretty quick early in the season. Like these are don't, don't get it twisted. Cause like these games are big for players and teams too. Like if you play a great team well and lose like, there is something where it's like, all right, well, we can compete with the best. Now you're not saying like, oh, what a moral victory, but like 
there are well-documented things of like the Rams and the Patriots when they first played in 2001 in the regular season, they were close. And then they go on and beat them in the Super Bowl. Cause they were like, yeah, we can compete with that team. So like, this is a big game for the Cowboys to your point playing Scotty's Niners next week. Yeah. I, and I feel the same way. Cause I, you look at the, their schedule, like you said, Jeff at giants week one, bad team uh, against the jets defense right. isn't as good as we thought they were. Well, and also uh, one Cardinals. week removed from the Aaron Rodgers stuff. It's Zach Wilson first week as the yeah. starter again. Like that Jets team was in such they, disarray, and they put up thirty points. But like, and that was one of the the games that you said where their their offense scored more than their defense did. But like, that defense for the Jets has through four weeks not been as good as we thought they were. Definitely not as good as last year. Cardinals, they they go on the road and get and get pumped by the Cardinals by a touchdown. Patriots this week. Patriots like are all over the place again for the fourth straight time without Tom Brady uh, under center for the, for the, for the Patriots. So uh, I'm just not sure like what they are either uh, to, to, to your point, Jeff. So uh, for, for them to not have faced a a whole lot of adversity uh, so far this year, I think it'll be an interesting test, especially on the road uh, in San Francisco in prime time. Um, We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with you. I I, I don't know what they are yet. <laughs> well, and the next four weeks are going to be really telling, right? Because they have San Francisco in San Francisco this weekend. Then they're at the Chargers, which again, we don't think the Chargers are a great team, but we also know they have plenty of talent. And like if the Chargers beat the Cowboys, I don't think any of us would be surprised. The Rams, same thing we just talked about them in the first half of the pod, where it's like this Rams team is super frisky, and if you told me they beat you know pretty much any team in the league, I wouldn't be shocked. And then they're in Philly. So the next four weeks, if they come out of the next four weeks three and one, then I'll tell you for like right now, I think the Cowboys are for real. But if they lose to San Francisco and then drop – or it's a close game against the Chargers and Rams and then maybe lose in Philly – like that to me also would tell you, all right, I think that they're good. I think their defense is good, but I think it's the same old, you know, Cowboys offense. So if their defense can carry the way for the next four weeks and they can go three and one or maybe even four and oh, if they can steal that game against San Francisco, then I'll be singing a very different tune. I'll tell you now, they still scare the shit out of me because of how good that defense is. And that defense is 100 percent legit. But the defense can only do so much when you're down two touchdowns. And you're going up against the team. And and I also don't think their run defense is particularly great. Like, I think a team like San Francisco, a team like the Rams, a team like Philly, who have been really good running the football this year, I think that's going to be their friend when they play Dallas. So it should be fun. Um, I'm going to do it because I feel like this is – and we've never done this conversation because none of us have ever believed that it was possible. But I'm going to do it now because it feels right. Is this the end of Bill Belichick? This is very clickbaity. I get it, but I actually think I people who know this podcast know I would not bring this question up if I didn't genuinely believe that it was a, a, a fair question to ask. Is this the end of Bill Belichick? Because I think at this point, they're 24 and 26 without Tom Brady. The quarterback situation is an absolute mess. He's got two of his own kids on staff right now, which is a terrible look when your team's getting shit pumped. Mac Jones had to get benched for Bailey Zappi, which he should have been benched at halftime for. This team is in a complete disarray. Their two best best defensive players both got hurt in this game. It feels like Belichick is like aging himself out in some degree. And when you consider that he's been in charge of the front office, of the coaching staff, of the actual coaching decisions on the field for the last 12, 13, 14 years, 
And this is where we're at without Tom Brady. It it is a little bit alar- alarming, I think. Man, I don't want to be asked that question. Uh, I can see it in your face. You didn't want me to It ask. sucks yeah. because like, yeah, I, I mean, obviously he's such a legend and everything, but this isn't going well. And you don't need to, it's not like they're losing like these one possession games. You know, they're, they're not looking good. They didn't look good on offense last year without a coordinator. O'Brien's been here for four weeks now. Um, you know, you got to give coaches a little time, but this is clearly not working out right away. Cowboys defense is a tough defense to even try and make it work out against in all honesty when their pass rush gets going and everything. But listen, you gotta, you gotta have to see this next four to eight games, how they look because towards the end of the year, um, I, I think it'll be a discussion point. I I've also seen, I think we've all seen over this long period of time with Robert Kraft and, Bill Belichick, there's been some disagreements along the way, and there's been some issues, it sounds like, as of late. Um, but, like, listen, as of right now, Bill Belichick is in charge of every single thing, to your point. I think he remains that way until, like, personally, I, I believe in the certain amount of loyalty that he's built up to where, like, listen, give him and his guys some time, and let's see how this team finishes the year. It doesn't seem like they'll be in the playoffs. Could they make a change even if they just barely miss the playoffs? Absolutely they could, you know? Because there's also great coaches, it's time, quote unquote. There's time where it's just your message is worn out. It's been here. We're we're moving on. But I I don't know, man. He's the greatest coach in, in NFL history, and I think he's one where you you let him continue until he wants to stop. But I understand if you're frustrated. That's that's my take. This sounds eerily familiar to a mirror image <laughs> of a similar coach in college football. And guess what? They're both done. Alabama's no. done wow. with Nick Saban. Bill Belichick is done with the Patriots. It's over. No. It's a wrap. You're no, doing it not. the old way. Forget about it. It's over. No, it's You're not. not going to because... make the playoffs. You keep doing it the hard way. You keep you keep adding people to your staff who you think are going to do, do you justice. They don't. It's over. You can't do it without the players that you put on the field. Tom Brady was the greatest for Bill Belichick, and that's it. Alabama's still probably going to make the college football playoff. I mean, they're right no, now they the favorite. Mark it just down. To, no, they won't. Well, they're already down Ooh. one loss. But but look, LSU just lost to Ole Miss. So LSU now has two losses in the season. Bama beat I'm not Ole here Miss. for that debate. All right. So I'm just I'm just saying, like, all Bama has to do is control their own fate. And even if they end up losing, they're still going to be a case for them to get it. All right. So disagree with you on Saban. Belichick, I think, is a little bit different because he's been in charge of personnel. He's been in charge of coaching staff. He's been in charge of so many things. And frankly... I'm not going to say he's done done because it'd be very, you know, Patriots if they end up with like the number three overall pick and they can trade up for number two and they go get Drake May and Drake May becomes a Hall of Famer. Right. Because like I don't think the Patriots are going to be bad enough for them to be able to get Caleb Williams, but they could get Drake May. Right. There's a lot of really good quarterbacks coming out of this year's class. So I'm not going to say it's done in the coffin forever. But they're spending more on wide receivers. They've spent more on wide receivers over the last three seasons than any other team in the NFL. Who are those wide receivers that they've paid? Nelson Aguilar, uh, you know, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Like They're devoting a ton of capital towards positions that aren't giving them any sort of production, and most of the guys that they've signed are gone. And a lot of the household guys that they've come in and developed have also left. 
So uh, to me, there's a ton of holes on this problem. I think Mac Jones is an absolute head case. And I think him, he's a huge problem with this. I wouldn't be surprised if moving forward, Bailey Zappi is the quarterback for the rest of the season. I think Mac Jones is done. I'm not going to ru- ru- you know, rule out the best quarterback or the best coach of all time, Vito, because that I completely agree with you. But at the same time, I think Belichick's holding on to try to get to the wins record from Shula and – he still is going to have to coach for a few more seasons to do that, especially if they're looking at a team that's one in three and that they've scored 20 points is the most they've scored so far this season. I think the clock is starting to tick. I don't think it's done yet. I think this could be like a year or two down the line, but I think the clock is starting to tick, tick a little bit. And also if you're Robert Kraft, you're used to winning your entire life. You've been a winner financially. And now as a football owner, you've been a winner your entire life. Like, I know he's the greatest of all time, but he's he's not going to be around forever. Bob Kraft is, you know, late 70s, early 80s. You know, I don't know how much longer he's going to be willing to wait around, especially without Brady, because it seemed like Kraft and Brady were a lot closer and buddy-buddy yeah. than Belichick and, and Kraft ever were. I, I would be surprised if there's any sort of moving on that's not Belichick-driven, like him choosing to retire or him choosing to step away. Um, but that could always just be phrased that way. I just think it's something to keep an eye on because it feels like we're, we might start be at starting to touch that that moment there um, in the post Brady years. All right, uh, two more games. Your Cardinals, Scotty. Go ahead and, and fire away. Big win. Excuse me. Well, no, <laughs> sorry, no, no, you're no. Niners. You're Niners. You're you. Niners. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. So tell us about your Niners. <laughs> they beat the Cardinals. Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, of course. Um, look, the Cardinals are, uh, are a good team. I think at, at the end of the day, they're far outplaying their expectations, but they ran into uh, my guy Brock and CMC, who's absolutely lighting it up uh, this season. You know, uh, for for as, as good as that and dynamic as that offense can be, Christian McCaffrey, when, and God willing, he stays on the field the rest of the season because – uh, he he's the one that makes that whole thing go. He's so dynamic. Um, obviously we've seen how good he is it, it, throughout his NFL career, but in this offense in particular, there's so much that opens up for him. Um, that that it just accentuates how good he is uh, as a football player, not just a running back. Um, I'm really excited. You know, so far through through the four games, Brock Purdy has had one bad game, and he, we still won that. Brock Purdy's playing well still. Uh, you know, the whole cast of characters is playing well. Kittle's playing well now. Uh, he He's had his biggest game uh, of, of the season receiving-wise. Uh, Debo took a, a backseat, right? But th- there's so many mouths to feed here. Brandon Ayuk, has, who's come on, we've talked about him. It, it's just, for once, like, like it's it's fun to see that there's this many uh there's this many people that we can we can feed and it's it's a uh it's a blessing to to have all these uh these uh these talented folks on offense and on defense you know i mean credit to to arizona they they were able to move the ball i think josh jobs is a very serviceable quarterback uh when given the chance uh in the nfl uh james connor good running back uh Zach Ertz had a decent game. Marquise Brown had a, had a pretty good game. Uh, but I think this this Niners defense in the pass rush is is what it comes down to. Uh, because once you can get after that quarterback, it doesn't matter who is on the opposite side of that field, whether it's 
the Arizona Cardinals, who will maybe finish last in the division, uh, the Seattle Seahawks, who we think will be the uh, the the next team up in in that division, the next team uh, or the next best team in that division. Cincinnati Bengals, who we have to play, uh, Dallas next week. That, that's that uh, Philadelphia in December. That defensive line can hang with anybody, uh, and, and they're going to keep them in a lot of games. And, and and that's what I think it boils down to for me, man. It's it, they're just a lot of fun to watch right now on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I I look at this as like this is what Niners fans have been waiting for with Kyle Shanahan, right? Like there's been it's glimpses like it's like the full of, evolution, right? Yeah, it's like there's been glimpses of this with this team through the Jimmy G years, the Super Bowl run, like all this stuff, like getting close, getting injuries, starting CJ Spethard and Nick Mullins and all that stuff that's happened over the last five years. Like this is the culmination of like, all right, this is what we've been waiting for with Kyle Shanahan and. It's the Charizard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the defense is good, and and it's crazy to think, but it's like this is the shot. Like this is the year, and if they stay healthy, I don't think there's a team that beats them. Like, and that's not me blowing smoke up your boy's ass or reverse psychology or any of that stuff. Like, I genuinely believe that if they're healthy, there's not a team that can hang with them because the one concern, I mean, there's two concerns I had. Right, the biggest one was the offensive line. The offensive line has been really good. And obviously they've been able to play with a lead. They've been able to run the ball a lot. That obviously makes the life easier for offensive linemen. You know, you have the best left tackle in football, but the other four, you know, were question marks coming in. And right now you're getting really, really good production, really good play calling and scheme, which is great. The other one was Brock Purdy, right? And where I, what I will say is as of right now, Brock Purdy still ranked 19th amongst uh, qualified quarterbacks in terms of passing grade by PFF, which isn't bad. But that goes to show you that, like, if you get top 20 production from the quarterback uh, position and top 20 efficiency, you can be the best team in the NFL with the San Francisco roster. So you're not asking a ton of Brock Purdy. And out of all the things we can say about Brock Purdy, and this is the thing that I think separates him from and why I think he's more likely to win you guys a championship than, say, Jimmy G ever was, his yards per attempt through four games – is second in the NFL at 9.1. He's not afraid to push the ball down the field. And now, granted, sometimes that's to wide open wide receivers and guys who are really, really good. But it's not like we're sitting here in the Jimmy G days where it's dink and dunk to the to Christian McCaffrey or to George Kittle or Eli Mitchell or Raheem Mostert or any of the guys that were there during that time. It's not dink and dunk. It's not screen bubble screen to Debo Samuel. It's a quarterback who is finding ways to get the ball downfield and into the hands of the guys who can make the biggest difference. And as long as they stay healthy and and Purdy's still able to do this without turning the ball over and push the ball down the field a little bit, they're going to be a re- they're going to be the best team in football. I, I really believe that. So to me, the, the the best takeaway from this game is actually crazy. So follow me for a second on this one. First of all, the 49ers, they scored 35 points. They only had five third downs. In the entire game. Now they were, they got three of them, right? So they got three of them. They didn't get two of them. Other than they went for fourth on one of them and got that. So basically one drive, they were stopped. They punted once like the efficiency to your point, like they can run, they can pass whatever they're doing. is just fucking working. And the defense is there too. Uh, This is, this is a fucking team, bro. This is uh, they're getting it done everywhere. You got to be stoked, Scott. Like this is, this is, I I am, man. I am. This is, you know, and and again, I want to kind of temper it because it's been only four weeks, but like, and again, next week is going to be a big test in primetime against the Cowboys. But I think 
you're right. Like both of you, like I, I'm stoked about the efficiency. I'm stoked about the evolution of, of what this has become. And I think like you both said too, if everyone stays healthy, it's there's the ceiling is so high. No, no question. And it's, you know, the NFL is tricky, right? Because sometimes the team that starts off really hot ends up imploding and, and falls apart in the back half of the season or gets bumped early from the playoffs. And sometimes the team that starts off super hot and looks like the best team in football keeps being the best team in football, especially if they get on the lucky side of all the injuries like the Eagles did last year. So as long as the injuries stay up, McCaffrey's healthy. I mean, I think McCaffrey's been the best, best player in the NFL through four weeks. Like yeah. if you if, if we're doing quarter quarter season MVPs, Christian McCaffrey's my vote. Like I I think he's I think been that good. It's particularly close. Like for... I mean, four touchdowns. I, he only had a hundred yards on the ground yesterday. You could have told me he had three hundred on the ground yesterday. I would have believed it. Like that is or on, yeah. That's just that's just how dynamic he is. Um, and again, as long as he stays healthy, they're going to do right now. Brock Purdy eighth in the NFL in passing yards. Uh, one of only ten guys to be over a thousand yards passing to this point in the year. And obviously, a lot of that has to do with the guys he's throwing to. Um, but if again. In this offense, don't turn the ball over and be in the top 20 in passing efficiency and, and pass grading, and you're going to be the best team in the NFL because that's how good this team is right now. And barring injuries, they're going to continue to be the best team in the NFL. I, I, I really do believe that. Um, yeah. Last game, Chiefs-Jets, Taylor Swift Bowl 2.0. Um, weird game. I'm already tired of that, by the way. Yeah, like, me no. too. And I fucking love it. And I'm, yeah, NFL is just being a little bit uh, too aggressive there. So let's, yeah, let's just focus on the football. Cause my two best getting... takes from last week were the Miami Dolphins reverting back and the Taylor Swift thing being really fucking annoying and just stay out of it. Like, just, just stay here. Yeah. Just stay here. Taylor Swift, you can have your world. You're fine. Like, show them your lane is fine. Game. That's fine. It's great. But like every break, everything, she's just, it's crazy. The, the couple we were staying with in Denver, um, huge college football fans, don't particularly like the NFL. And they were like, you know, this Taylor Swift thing, such a publicity stunt. Like, they just want her fans and, like, they, they need her fans to be successful. And I was like, oh, wrong, wrong. I'm going to stop you right there. The top 85 out of the top 100 television events from last year were NFL games. I was like, the NFL demolishes Taylor Swift in any sort of major, like Taylor, NFL doesn't need Taylor Swift. Okay. It, it likes like, having Taylor yeah, Swift yeah, because it's, it's not bad. <laughs> it's more people in. Like I saw Travis Kelsey, number one selling Jersey. Uh, he gained yeah. like a hundred. People also making misspelled jerseys. My sister was like, <laughs> I can't find a Travis Kelsey Jersey anywhere. And they, my sisters were one of the worst ones doing all this. They were like, I didn't even know the NFL had games at night. Did you know that? My other sister's like, no, I just know it because of Taylor Swift. I'm like, shut up, both of you. Okay. Yes. Like, stop. It's so bad. It's, it's, it's awful. Um, it's gotten so bad that so I'm in three fantasy leagues. One of them is on this app called Sleeper. And a guy in my fantasy leagues, I have Travis Kelsey on my team, screenshotted the app and sent it to me and it was Travis Kelsey. And instead of Travis Kelsey's face in like the player bio, it was Taylor Swift. And I was like, no Oh, he, I was like, I was like, Oh, he did like a Photoshop or something. So as I'm sitting on the plane about to go on, I pulled up my app and sure as shit, dude, fucking 
Taylor Swift's face was on the sleeper fantasy football app in place of Travis Kelsey. It's like Travis Kelsey stats and everything, but Taylor Swift's picture. Like I'm, I'm so sick of it on the couple. I'm so sick of it. The Taylor Swift thing, whatever. Like, I just don't care. I don't care too. 60 right, yards. So we don't care. Let's, get let's out of dive here. into the game then. Because so I yeah, think, because yes, you're right. Just, if I don't actually care, yeah. then we wouldn't talk about it. Damn it, Vito, you got me there. All right. Uh <laughs> the Chiefs haven't looked great through four games. Find a way to pull this game out. Some questionable officiating. I thought the DPI call on Sauce Gardner was a, actually a good call. The missed holding call on the final play when uh Mahomes scrambled was egregious. Like you just egregious. You can't. Like you can't miss that call in he that side of the game. Trying to hit the guy in the face and like get everyone's attention. Like I, I don't know how you miss that. But I will say this: like Zach Wilson played the best game of his career, I think by mm. far. You yep. might say the Green Bay game against them last year, where they won that game, and and he actually played pretty well. But for the most part, I thought this was the best Zach Wilson game. Of course, he has the costly fumble at the end of the game, which sucks. Um, because like as much as I didn't love Zach Wilson coming out, like you do feel for the guy who just gets shit on constantly and has been. Yeah. And, and then Rodgers goes said, like, it's my fault at the end. Like he finally took yeah, accountability, which I think also is like, thank God, dude, finally after last year being like, Oh, it wasn't our fault. Like, yeah, it was somebody yeah, it was something yeah. else. Yeah. I, which shows maturity, but also like, I did not have like Zach Wilson being ahead of Mac Jones on my bingo card after su- like going into Sunday, but <laughs> after Sunday, like I 100% do. I think Zach Wilson, like I would, if you're the jets, like, and, and you would just straight up like the Patriots, like, Hey, let's do a quarterback swap right now. I think the jets say no, honestly, and just say, Hey, fuck it. We have this guy who's at least run our system. The fact that they came back in that game and against the Kansas city defense, that's looked really, really good this year. I think is really impressive. And, and honestly, like the jets, I, I genuinely feel bad for the Aaron Rodgers situation sucks. And then you have Zach Wilson who got completely cucked by Aaron Rodgers, And now he's sitting there. Like, do I have, you know, like he's shit out of luck and everyone's oh, just dumping on him. Yeah. Well, it's just not <laughs> that it's like, he was going to get a chance to hopefully sit behind Rodgers for a year, get the media pressure off his back. It's a kid who was 21 years old and all of a sudden had all of the world shitting on him for how terrible he is. Like any human can just have an ounce of heart and be like, that sucks. Um, So I like to see that at least he's, he played well in this game. It sucks. The officials really, really made themselves known uh, at the end of this game, but the chiefs three and one, uh, it's not super impressive three and one. I'll tell you that. Yeah. They beat the shit out of the worst team in the NFL, but you know, the game against Detroit wasn't great. The game against uh, Jacksonville wasn't great, and the game against the Jets weren't great, and it's all coming down to, and this is might be the thing that keeps them from going back-to-back this year, they do not have wide receivers. They, If you're playing a good defense, a good pass rush, or an, a team with decent cornerbacks, these wide receivers are not getting separation. So defenses can completely key in on Travis Kelsey and t- try to take him out of the game, and then it's Mahomes literally playing 11-on-1. And Mahomes can still win games doing that, which is saying about how fucking incredible Patrick Mahomes is. But this team's in trouble. I, I, I in trouble in terms of. I'm with you. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be a really good team by the season's end because that's what they do. But I don't think they're in that top caliber tier of teams because that wide receiver room is awful. Oh, careful, careful, Jeff. No, so, I'm with yeah. you though. From a from a logistical standpoint, like the wide receivers don't help you, and if you're playing a team that has a good linebacking core uh, like the Jets do. I mean, CJ Mosley had 11 tackles uh, 
and he was playing in coverage well with Travis Kelsey all night that ended up with six catches and 60 yards. So I, I'm with you there. I just think like at the end of the day, and maybe this is a B enemy thing. Maybe I was right. That B enemy was the thing that, that made that all go. Um, but like, I think at the end of the day, it's still Patrick Mahomes. It's still Andy Reed. It's still this offense that will somehow find a way to win games um, no matter how or what big they are, what the situation is. Uh, Pacheco, who can can get you a touchdown at any point. Jerry McKinnon, who we haven't seen a lot of, uh, which we'll, we'll probably see a lot of on the back end of the he year. Pops, he pops up in the red zone, the man. Because I think, he, I think exactly. he has like three touchdowns already this year because he just it, it, he just appears in the red zone. It's like, oh, Jerry yeah. McKinnon, there and you go, touchdown. It's, oh. it's, it's stuff like that, right? So like even if they are playing a good linebacking core, uh, you know, if you take it's, Travis Kelsey out, like all of a sudden, like they'll they'll find a way. And, and so I'm I'm not counting them out uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And I know you aren't either, but like they'll find. Yeah, a way. <laughs> it's 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 incredible. And this is the biggest compliment I think I've ever given Mahomes. It reminds me so much of when Brady would sit in the pocket and light it up to Dion Branch and Jabbar Gaffney and these random dudes, right? And you're like wait, Tom Brady's making these guys look like they're star caliber receivers. They all leave. Yeah. Yeah. But even like Edelman was good. Like I think Edelman would have ended up being pretty good on a lot of different teams. Um, Nowhere near what he was with Brady, obviously, but like, even just like these no name guys, like guys who you've never even heard of before, Steven Ridley and James white and all these guys over the course of Brady's time, where all of a sudden like they look like stars and you're like, well, wait, why can't we find guys like that? And it's like, because it's not about the receiver. It's about the quarterback throwing him the ball. And that's how good Mahomes is, that he just makes these guys. So I'm with you that by the time we get to the playoffs, like Sky Moore is going to have a game where he has like three touchdowns and seven catches for 130 yards. But for now, in the regular season, when we know home field advantage now with the seven teams is such a big advantage, I do think it puts them at a bit of a disadvantage for the rest of the season. Uh, Vito, your thoughts here on the Chiefs-Jets. I think to your point, like the biggest takeaway was that, yeah, we knew the Chiefs offense is going to struggle a bit with a good Jets defense, but um, they really struggled. And Zach Wilson did enough to compete like the Chiefs defense. um, You know, they ended up getting a big play for him, but uh, I'm not overly thrilled about how they're playing either. Um, Chiefs have been in a couple close games now, man. So yeah. you know, uh, close game against the Jags. The the Lions obviously beat them, but the and they beat they blew up the Bears. Cool. Um, like I I don't know what's going to happen here. They, we need to see more out of them. And to your point, I don't think they're in that top tier yet of teams. And the Jets could get some wins this year, man. I don't think they're the worst team in the NFL, even with Zach Wilson, which I would have thought. I think they so were either coming into the year. I agree. I, I mean, and, and that goes back to go full circle to what we talked about at the beginning of the pod. Yeah. Those teams are at the bottom, one and three right now. Would it shock you if somehow the Jets go nine and eight or eight and nine and are in competition come week 16 to potentially get a wild card spot with how good that defense is played? Because this felt like the game week two against the Cowboys. You're like, all right, we kind of have to throw that out the window, right? Yeah. Because that's the first game without Rodgers. And then, uh, you know, you go on week, the following week. I forget what they played last week. Um, but that wasn't a, a stellar game. But now this felt like the first game where the defense kind of snapped back a little bit. Uh, oh, they played New England, which was a one-score game. Oh, um, yeah. And so now it's like, all right, well, 
23 to 20 against arguably the best team. And they go to where Vito, they go to Denver next week. We'll see what they can do against Russell Wilson. Um, but again, uh, it's going to be a tough ro- run for the jets. Um, but we'll see, uh, ultimately where things come up. All right. Uh, so I got crushed in gambling this week. I went six and nine with my picks. They were rapid fire. I will say 25 minute pod. I think it's the shortest pod we've ever had on the channel. Um, so can take that as it is, but, uh, I do think, uh, moving forward, all of our travel for the most part, except for Vito, who's doing his normal crazy travel is done. So we will be better about making sure all of our picks are recorded right now. I'm six and three on my locks of the season. Vito, you are two and one. Scotty is three and three. Um, so picks, we're doing all right as a pod. Um, and overall, we'll, we'll get those numbers to you guys later on the week. Uh, we do have Monday Night Football kicking off here. Giants, Seahawks. We'll give you guys a recap on that game on Friday. But until then, for Jeff, for uh, Scotty and Vito, I am Jeff. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody.